Hey everybody, and welcome to Riders with Masks, the podcast about masks and the riders that wear them. Uh, I'm your host for today. My name is Mike, and joining me in the sidecar is my very good friend Julie. Uh, I didn't bring a helmet or a mask. Should I like? Was it BYOM? BYOH? Yeah, kinda. I mean, uh, we're, we're not really worried about safety regulations here. <laughs> I'll deal. I'll deal. I got a scarf. I can cover my mouth. All right, cool. But this this is a this is a Saban production. We do everything the cheapest and most dangerous way we possibly can ah okay great cool 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 i'm just gonna you can let me off right here at the next corner uh (laughs) nope this this thing doesn't stop for half an hour oh great cool awesome yeah (laughs) so just to lay this out uh for everybody in case i don't know in case maybe there's someone who got curious and listened to this before listening to anything else with the show uh this is kind of a spinoff of the podcast teenagers with attitude it is a power rangers rewatch podcast you know i think it's good you know, hey, just just saying, you know, yeah. And uh, yeah. we we got past the point where we are in season three of Power Rangers, and season three kicks off with sort of a crossover, sort of a backdoor pilot, sort of a sort of an alternate timeline, and we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> where the Power Rangers go to the planet Edenoi and meet the Masked Rider, and it becomes the first and only Power Rangers spinoff. Now, Power Rangers has had another crossover. Uh, it crossed over with Saban's live-action uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, and oh my God, we'll cross right. that bridge when we come to it. Oh my god, that's right. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens. Uh. But this is this is the only like actual Power Rangers spinoff, and there are a lot of Power Rangers knockoffs, uh, many of which we've talked about here on Teenagers with Attitude, a few that we still have yet to get to, but this is... This is the big one, not necessarily in terms of success, because uh, near as I can tell, mm-hmm. this was one of Saban's biggest flops. But just in terms of like of all the of all the other shows that people associate as being like along the lines of Power Rangers, or they exist because of the boom in Power Rangers popularity, and people were trying to get that lightning to strike twice. This is the only one that technically is Power Rangers' sister show. Like this is the show that spun off of Power Rangers. They play fast and loose with the continuity, but, I mean, Power Rangers has always played fast and loose with the continuity, so I don't think blatant continuity errors should, you know, prevent us from assuming that this is still part of the Power Rangers canon. Yeah. There's, they're still going to name drop Edenoi in the future uh, in Power Rangers. They're only going to do it once, I think. But, okay. like, yeah. Uh, also, there's a funny bit I found out. There's actually a clip uh, from the end of part two of, of this two-parter we're about to discuss part one of uh, that appears in the TV uh, in Power Rangers Time Force, so like they, they, I guess they did a little nod. Um, huh. Now I'm going to be honest. I don't know if this is just never like this show is not available anywhere legally. Let's get this out of the way right now. <laughs> it's not on home video. It's not on streaming. It's not anywhere. We're watching it off of YouTube. They did their best and, to just wipe it off the face of the earth, but they couldn't. Kind stop of. It. 
I, well, that's the thing is I don't know if it's entirely shame or if it's because they they would have to keep paying the rights to Common Rider Black. Is the thing I don't oh. know what the deal is there, but like, huh. so, so so the thing is like, the Toku shows that they used to make VR Troopers and the one they used to make Big Bad Beetleborgs, like, near as I can tell, they're ob- still obscure enough that Saban could afford to buy those rights and continue to sell those shows to things like Netflix. Right. Mast Rider, they either didn't bother or decided it wasn't worth the price because Common Rider is still, like, in spite of the fact that Common Rider are really only penetrating into the U.S. market in an official capacity, like, twice, one was this and one was Dragon Knight, which is a discussion for a whole other time. Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, in spite of that, Common Rider has a pretty decent following here, and... I think if Saban wanted to try and work out a deal with Toei so that they could, like, keep doing Common Rider stuff, I think they would need to pr- play a pretty penny. And I don't think Saban thinks it would be worth it because, again, their one attempt at doing a Common Rider thing was one of their biggest bombs. And Saban has had – Saban had a lot of successes and failures in the 90s. Uh, let's say that. Uh, and Mass Rider was not a success. Uh, but before we before we get into Mass Rider specifically, we should probably begin at the beginning. Uh, and the reason I wanted you on here for this, uh, Julie, for the beginning of this, uh, partly just because we haven't had you on in a while. That's true, yeah. Uh, and it, it's always great to have you on. Uh, but you. also, you are sort of the resident Audio Entropy big Common Rider fan. Yeah, that... Yeah. Yeah, because I've gotten a lot of you more and more into Sentai, and... But yeah, I guess Common Rider's one, because... It didn't have that much penetration in the U.S., so I kind of infected everyone with it. Yeah, you've gotten a few people into Forza. I still need to go back and watch that. You actually did – you did successfully get me to watch all of Kamen Rider Ghost. I've watched a lot of Juoger, but I haven't actually successfully, like, watched to completion a Sentai series. But you did get me to watch a full season of Kamen Rider. I still find it – So at least there's that. I still find it funny that Ghost was your first, and I, I, I like Ghost, and I know you like Ghost as well. Ghost is definitely considered a very middling experience in terms of common writer. Oh yeah, oh no, it's I can see why. It's got some problems. Yeah. But at at the same time, Prince Allen is like he's my precious boy and oh, I love yeah. him. You know? Yeah, one, one uh, I, I would die for com- him, so one character in an entire common writer cast can really just keep that series from dying completely. Oh, I believe it. So um so basically we should probably start with so what is the deal with Kamen Rider Black RX and its place sort of within the Kamen Rider mythos and the fandom and all that jazz? Okay, this is where I flip around my giant blackboard that has so many equations. So, alright, first and foremost, I am very much more of a Heisei, and if you really want to get bullshit technical, Neo Heisei fan, which is to say... Uh, post-2010, those are my Kamen Rider shows, because I wasn't, like, a fan as a kid, and I haven't gotten into it recently, like, in my 20s. Um, so that would be, like, from post-Kamen Rider decade, so from double onwards to recently. I've watched some of, like, the Heisei era in general, which is from 2000 onwards, when Kamen Rider came back to TV during the weird hiatus in the 90s, um, with Kuga. And we have the Showa era, and for those who don't know, the eras are not a TV thing or a Toku thing. It's to do with Japanese, like, uh, time periods, like 
that is actually the Showa era of Japan. So, Showa era is from original Kamen Rider Ichigo all the way up to Black RX, and people, fair enough, include the uh, movies which were around during the 90s, which were Zeto, J, and Shin. So, to talk about Black now, RX. We, we, I will go ahead and say <laughs> Zeto and J are relevant, not necessarily to this episode. Yep. But those well, two movies, footage from them appears in this show somewhere. This episode as well, actually, from Zeto specifically. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that, but yeah. So, Comrade Black. Uh, as always, ever since Comrade introduced the second writer because fucking the actor broke his, shattered his leg on a motorcycle stunt, which I love is the whole reason we have multiple writers. That is literally the reason. Um, yeah, that is, that's honestly one of my favorite stories, like, in just all of nerddom and television production and kind of just everything. Uh, it's just, the just, only reason Common Writer is a title that gets passed from person to person is because the original actor busted his leg doing a stunt. Yep, and then he like, said, oh, he went to a UN Peace Conference, I don't know, and he brought in his best friend who's gonna be the next writer. Cool, we have Common Writer 2. Oh, he's gotten better now. We have both of the writers, and then we have that. Continue on from there, we go through... I still super the- love that that guy, like, the original Common Rider, still comes out and plays Common Rider from time to time. We had a oh, big, like... Yeah. Like, was it, like, a 45th anniversary movie where he teamed up with, like... Ghost, I think he teamed up yeah. with Ghost and... Pos- and I think with Drive. Drive yeah. was the one before Ghost, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... That was a big old thing. That was cool. I, I think that is gonna be his last appearance. Uh, not even due to age. I think he's... And not even, like, he's sick of the role or anything. It's just mostly... he's putting Ichigo to bed. I imagine Comrade Ichigo will appear in the future in many, many, many other Toei specials, but, like, him playing him, I think it might be the last one, because that was a very much a Dark Knight Return scenario. Like, he has come back, he is in this new big bulky suit, this is his, like, swan song, essentially. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Black, continuing the tradition... What was it? Uh, 1988? Around there? Yeah, 1987 uh, We have our protagonist, Katara Minami. He is... He loses his parents as an infant. Uh, he is adopted along with another kid because both of them were born the same day on a solar eclipse, and this attracts the attention of a, like, uh, evil cult that is basically like, well, kids who were born in the eclipse... They're going to be the next heirs to our cult empire. And, uh, but before they get whisked away as children, they're taken in by, like, a kindly professor and raised. And then when they're young adults, like, in their, what, 1819, um, they get kidnapped. And this, this is very much a thing I don't think people realize is, like, a common writer thing. But, like, it's, it is all the way back to the origins of first common writer. You get captured by the bad guy. You get implanted with six cyborg or superpowers, what have you, by the bad people. And, like, you're going to be our new leader. And then, whoops, you break away before they can brainwash you. And then now use their powers against them. That is all Yeah, that seems, that seems like a fatal flaw in fatal flaw in your, like, cult plan. Is, like, you should brainwash first, then cyborg. Yeah, I don't know. That, like, seems, that seems obvious to me. <laughs> and every time, it's always a professor or some family member who breaks them free before it can happen. It's it's always the case. So that happens to Kataro, his adopted brother. Not so lucky. Um, he gets the full treatment. So you then have 
Comrade of Black, who is the child of the sun, and who has the Kingstone of the Sun, now versing against Comrade of Shadow Moon, Child of the Moon, Kingstone of the Moon. It, it's Black is to really be reductive is that five second film skit, if you haven't already seen it, of just the two guys going brother, 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 brother at each other a lot. Um So basically it's Metal Gear. Actually, yeah, shit. A little bit like uh, <laughs> like, like it's one of the things where <sighs> Metal Gear definitely took inspiration from. <laughs> um Anyway, that was Black. It was a very serious show for the most part, uh as serious as Comrade can be. Um, also still dreaming. I mean, we'll era. get into it, but RX has, like, some- the footage that we'll see in this episode has some really weirdly, like, gross shit in it that's like, why is this in oh, a kid's that, show? Oh, that's not RX. Oh, that's- well, oh. Yeah, that, that's the Zeto shit, which we'll get into, but, um- What? Okay. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, um- See, I'm glad you're here for this. <laughs> so, Black was a very serious show, um- I just need to get your live reaction to this, because this is not good. I don't want this to be too boring, but to really encapsulate what the style of Comrade of Black was, uh, you need to, people need to go find, luckily there's a high-definition Blu-ray version of this out there on YouTube, um, the opening for Comrade of Black. And I just really, for the first, like, 10, 20 seconds, I need to see your, like, live reaction to this, because it is such a good opening. Is maybe my favorite Comrade opening, and that's saying a lot. Okay, let me uh, let me get this ready. Let's let me get this, uh, folks. It is an, a minute and a half long, uh, and uh, I mean this is gonna probably screw with the backup, but whatever. Hopefully, we won't have to use it. All right, let's do this. Okay, it's a logo. That's good. Yep, yep. All right, there's he's looking cool. Yep. So far, so good. Black is a really good design. Yeah. This music kicks in, which is dope. That's pretty nice. You can pause it in, like, let's say five seconds for the, the, the money shot, as I'm going to call it. <laughs> okay. Eyes came on on the motorcycle. All right. Smash through a window. That's yep, neat. Yep. That's it. I just love that. Okay. That, that's how you open a Kama <laughs> right. Rider series. Like, no, fuck it. Here's the rider walking into a warehouse, mounting his cycle, and driving it through a window. Fun fact, the motorcycle can also talk to him. Oh, you know what? I, I think that happens in this show, actually. I think it's more like in original Black, um, the the Battle Hopper, as it's called, is like, it, all the way a dog communicates with you, it doesn't really, like, speak. Then we have Black RX, which I'm gonna get to now, which is very much, the bike is reincarnated from its sacrifice in the last episode, I'm not shitting you, um, and now can speak fluent Japanese. Oh, wait, so, so the bike sacrifices itself, heroic sacrifice at the end mm-hmm. of, of Kamen Rider Black. Yep. Uh, spoilers for the finale of Comrade Black, everybody. Sorry, and then so, okay, so it reincarnates, and it's just okay. All right, sure. And, yeah, and it just speaks Japanese. Cool. All right. Yeah. Cool. No, I yeah, I just love that. It's like okay, fine, fuck it, whatever. But um, yeah. So that's Black. It is very much a pretty damn good series from everything I've heard from fans of it, uh, and just fans of Comrade in general. It's still referenced to this day as like one of the more influential shows. And then Black Rx. So that is one of the major firsts in Kamen Rider in general, because it's the first and only sequel series to Kamen, to a Kamen Rider series. Because you, you can make the argument they're all tenuously connected somewhat. It's more Yeah, I mean, like, that, that happens yeah. in Sentai, and I mean, honestly, happens in Power Rangers, too, yeah. is 
this idea that like each series is self-contained except when it isn't. But this was the case where no, like uh, RX starts off with Kotaro has been you know uh, Gorgon the cult empire. He's now all good. He's a helicopter pilot. And whoops, another alien cult empire shows up to grab him. And uh, they offer him another fucking place on the throne. He's like, no, fuck you. They throw him into space um, and break his kingstone, which lets him transform. Then the exposure to the like unprotected radiation of the sun transforms that and then t- allows him to become Black RX. And thus we have the first okay. ever sequel series. And yeah, that was definitely because Black was super successful. And Toei was like, maybe we can give this a shot. Like, hey, what if we do this? Um, so yeah, that what was... What if they do that? What happened what, when they did that? Okay, I you, you said before that RX, off air, uh, mind you, that RX was most likely... To, the thing to kill off Comrider. I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows what happened to Comrider in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a tendency in nerdum to to be like the last thing that happened before a thing goes away and say like, oh, that killed whatever it is. Yeah, but like, because like, that's just kind of the way we describe things, you know. Yeah, do, do which... the fucking Brad Shoemaker like they killed Mass <laughs> Effect, you know, just just burst into the room like they killed Comrider. I, I mean, listen, listen. I'll say this: the thing that determines that more than anything else is the toy sale. You can look at look at Time Ranger, look at uh, fucking Cockerange, no, not Cockerange, Ninja, Ninja, that other Ninja Sentai. That that just brief aside, the Ninja's toy sales were so bad that it was labeled the 40th anniversary Sentai. Georgia comes out next year. No, that one's the 40th one. Wow. Yeah, okay. that's how bad it was. They're like, oh, mm, no, no. Yeah, forget kinda... it. That's not the anniversary show anymore. Yep, that basically happened. That's really fucked up. I mean, honestly, that kind of worked out better because, like, uh, Juodra also had another milestone in it. It was like the thousandth episode or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or two thousandth? Something some, like some that. Some number of thousand. It's some number, um, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was that. So, yeah, RX was just a weird thing that happened. I... I would like to think the 90s was just a weird time for Japan in general, like, bit of cultural history nerd here, like, it it was economic, not downfall or anything, just it was a quiet period after a huge spike in the 80s, like, that was a huge economic boom because of things like Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, proliferation of more toys, Kamen Rider, Sentai, those things becoming huge, and then it just kind of it out a bit because the yeah, 90s the, were kind also of the bubble known. burst i guess yeah because the 90s were also like a not rough but like slow and uh cooling off period for sentai as well so i think yeah i, th- I think you've told me before that like during the 90s every single toku show that was going at the time ended save for sentai pretty much yeah like ultraman wasn't around during that period ultraman's a lot older though it's the grand well not the granddad but like very much uh, part of the senior class of toku shows that are still around to this day. Um, it survived. But, yeah, no, much like how Doctor Who took a huge break, so did Kamen Rider. Um, and, you know, easy to point fingers at RX going, uh, it killed it because RX was definitely a totally different show. It was considered way more humorous. I mean, look at Black. You have brothers 
fighting against each other. There are definitely humorous elements in parts of episodes, if not whole subplots. Um, but then in RX, you have things like, oh no, Katara has overwatered this, his friend's cactus, so he's going to throw it out and pretend someone has stolen the cactus. <laughs> okay. That's actually a plot. Like, I don't, I can't remember if it's a, a B or even C grade subplot in terms of size for the episode, but that's actually something that happens in the episode, which I, I mean, think should be considered right. as, like, a tonal shift. Because, um, the actor himself as well, Tetsuo Kurata, he actually mentioned that he was hesitant ever coming back afterwards, not because of anything bad production-wise, just RX wasn't him. And he he himself has said he prefers black. Okay. Yeah. Um, fun fact as well about that actor, he graduated high school and then went basically went straight from there to the audition. Like exaggerating a bit, but essentially within the same year he graduated high school and auditioned for a common writer show. And Okay. Despite I mean, it's, being, it's worth yeah. it's worth bringing him up because he is someone we're actually going to see a lot of uh yeah. here in Mass Writer. So there we'll get we'll get kind of into it, but like it becomes pretty obvious that the guy who plays uh Dex in Mass Writer, who's uh, name is Ted Jan Roberts. We actually talked about him uh, on Power Rangers when the crossover happened. Uh, it becomes very clear that now, like, when we did that episode, we were like, okay, this is clearly a guy who was hired for his martial arts skill first and his acting second. Oh, yeah. And now I know, now I know that it's actually has a similar haircut to the Japanese actor first, then <laughs> martial arts, Yep. then acting third. <laughs> this is one of those things where the production of most things, most media in Japan, be it anime, toku, what have you, is grueling. But I'll put it this way. You know, Karada, he he actually auditioned. He actually didn't feel great about his performance. He then beat out 8,000 other contestants because he was picked by Shotaro Ishinomori, the creator of Kama Ryan Sentai himself, to play the lead. And All right. only after that did he go, like, he went through, like, stage combat physical exercise, as well as acting and singing lessons. Like, they kind of make you go through everything. They make you be a quadruple threat in Japan, basically. Well, alright. I think that was the case where famously, Kamarada Deno has a really great theme song, and at some point, the suit actor characters who all play like wacky, a wacky group of demons, they... <laughs> the, the voice actors for them end up replacing the theme song with their own cover version and that's the more <laughs> well-known version and like okay it's weird because much like anything else in like anime or other toku shows you know comrade themes are produced in production with studios who have a close affiliation with toei so it'd be kind of weird if you're like they're not using a song anymore that's well they're not yeah. like the band going they're not using our song anymore like they're not using our voices they're just having a bunch of goof, four goofy dudes sing the song instead. Wow. I Although, I'm going to be honest, I kind of want to hear a version of the Power Rangers theme that's sung by Zed and the crew. No, yeah, seriously. Like, yeah. I'd buy a CD of that. I'd buy a single of that. <laughs> God, there's a word I never thought I'd hear again. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so does that... <laughs> Does that more or less bring us up to speed on Black RX, or do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, for the most part, like, probably be 
bits and pieces throughout this episode, at least. But yeah, essentially, RX was just a weird thing of like, oh, you're really doing this. Um, I think the cool thing as well with RX is that its last episode was a film, essentially, and it was literally RX teaming up with the previous ten other common writers, which is really cool. Okay. Okay, here's something I found out when I was was doing my my digging and research yep. on Mast Rider. Yeah, that crossover happens in this. Oh fuck, Jesus Christ! Yeah, okay. they 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 basically pull a thing where like, oh, you're you're getting help from like the the basically from all the previous Mast Riders, the the legendary Mast Rider lineage. Because in in the show, Mast Riders passed from like like generation, like father, generation. To, yeah, for yeah. generationally. So it's like these these are your ancestors coming back to help you, and like yeah, it, it's uh, and you know we're not gonna get super into it because like we'll get to it when we get to that episode, but like yeah, like there's Common uh, Rider One is credited as Warrior Leader, Common <laughs> Rider Common th- Rider Three is uh, credited as Warrior Commander. Oh wait, 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 it's V three. That's a very special distinction because there's literally a movie explaining why it goes from. Two to V three and not two to three. Okay, well, V three is credited as Warrior Commander. Common <laughs> Rider X is credited as V three. <laughs> what the fuck? Common <laughs> uh, Rider Amazon, okay. uh, which okay. is uh, for folks who don't know, is the is the is the Common Rider series that was eventually sort of rebooted into the Amazon series Common Rider Amazons. Yeah, that's real popular right now. Uh, he appears in Master Rider as Rider Man. Wait, wait, uh, mm, th- there's already a Rider Man character. In- oh, okay, okay. Oh yeah. Oh, hey, the name shuffling continues. Common uh, <laughs> Rider Stronger appears under the name Mast Rider X. Fuck off. Uh, Sky Rider <laughs> appears as Amazon. What? <laughs> wait, somebody has an X on his chest. Strong has an S on his chest. I'm so mad at this. Uh, we're, not, we're not done yet. Skyrider is credited as uh, oh, I did. Skyrider is oh, yeah. credited as Amazon. Oh, yeah. Common yeah. uh, Rider Super One is credited as Strongman. <laughs> and the the only the only Common Rider who basically keeps his original name is Common Rider ZX. Although because the show is produced in America, they call him Common Rider Z Cross instead of Z Cross. Uh, you know what? That's that's fine. Like, that's, that's fine. I, this is, just imagine this. Hey, kids, it's me, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Snick, Snick, Bub. Like, <laughs> like, no, that doesn't, fuck off. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, that, I'm sorry, Julie. <laughs> that list makes me so mad. Like, oh my god. <laughs> You know what? Oh, fuck. This, that may trump the other thing, which is really weird, and the last thing I'll say about uh, Black and RX. Sure. So, we have... Toei will always continue to make previous... Well, who knows? Maybe in the next ten years they, may, they might stop doing this, but every time there's a Comrade anniversary or some movie about the Showa writers, meaning the Heisei writers, even for a cameo, there's always the problem of, well... We have Black and RX, and they're played by the same dude, and canonically are the same dude. What do we do? And it's always like, well, you either get the movies where they're like, it's a time warp loophole thingamabob. Something happened. Something weird happened. Okay, sure. Or you just have the movies where, no, 
Black and RX are just with each other. Why? How? I mean, just fuck it. I, it. Again, it's just one of those things of like, okay? Well, that's also that's also something that happens when we get to the Power Rangers anniversaries where like, oh, you, have, yeah. you have Rangers show up who were played by multiple people, and then you also have multiple Rangers who were played by the same person. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, in the big Super Mega Force, whatever the fuck anniversary thing, I'm pretty yeah. sure both Green Ranger Tommy and White Ranger Tommy show up. So, yeah, question mark. Yeah, it, it, that's just that weird thing. Of, but I think it's funnier with Comrade just because that that wouldn't normally be a problem. And they made the problem and they can't fix it. And it's, well, okay. I mean, they do it with other writers who canonically die at the end of the series. It's like, how are you back? You you're dead. You're yeah, mm. yeah. That's just the weird. Or, thing. or with series where like they canonically lose their powers at the end. Like that's something that right. also happens in Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm, just, yeah. Eh, you know, hey, yeah. whatevs. What Toku. But like so I said, oh, yeah, that you, that list just makes me so, that. Mm, holy shit! I'm so I'm so sorry, Julie. I know you were debating whether or not you were going to come back on for like part two of this, but like I think I think we definitely need you on for that episode. It, you- it's baffling that list. Why? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's the thing. But so, okay, we probably should actually get started on summarizing this episode sure. soon. Uh, but real quick, a couple more things we want to point out before we properly dive into it. Uh, one, obviously, this was basically Saban trying to make the Power Rangers sort of lightning strike again. They had some mild success with VR Troopers before this. And they had some success with Big Bad Beetleborgs after this. But, like, this really was part of just a chain of Saban desperately, desperately, desperately trying to have another Power Rangers. Yeah, pretty much. Because, like, yeah, and I think even then they were starting to realize that Power Rangers was kind of going to be their thing. And it remains their thing to this day, which is why they keep trying to make Mighty Morphin happen again, but they can't. God damn you, Saban. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. I have to imagine that this sort of spawned from just the fact that Saban already had a pretty good working relationship with Toei. And I, you know, the logic probably, the logic probably was like, Hey, here's our other bigger series, you know, like maybe you can try and make something work with this. It's, it's not running anymore, but we have a finished series of it if you want it, you know? And so they took the last season of Common Rider, or at least what was at the time, the last season. Um, yeah. Cause this speaking was of season. Yeah, because Moss Rider was made in 95, RX was 88, 89. Yeah, that, that's also something is, something that really screwed with us with VR Troopers was, oh, yeah. well, it, in addition to the fact that it was two series mashed together, like, this is also, this is ancient footage. Like, when we, when we watch Power Rangers, like, you can tell visibly when it switches to the Sentai footage because it's lower quality film, but, like, it is so obvious in Master Rider, because not only is it lower quality film, it's lower quality film that's like six years old at that point. I mean, it's, it's different. Real it, bad. It's different film formats as well. It's like different types because Japanese film was different. The way they filmed outdoor scenes and stuff. Yeah. And what's weird is when we get shots of the villains, they there are two villains. The main guy, uh, Count Dragon, and like his number two, which I believe her name is Nefaria. Yeah. Also have like actors on the American side because you can see footage where their lips match and things look a little crisper. Yep. But there's also in the ship shots, there's also a bunch of other minions in the room that they don't <laughs> bother to film American footage of. So yeah. they just keep cutting between. So 
it's basically like if Power Rangers kept doing what they were doing during the wedding three-parter, where we would, like, cut back and forth between the American-made footage of Rita and the original footage of Rita from scene to scene or even during a scene. And it's yep. just – it's it's fucking wild. Um, but also, uh, speaking of seasons, so it's – there's not a clear, like, set description of how many seasons the show is – because yeah. Wikipedia listed as two, IMDb listed as one. The bottom line is there were 40 episodes total. They premiered over the course of less than a year. <laughs> and then the show went into syndication. So, like, ba- like if you compare it to Power Rangers, and really that's the most logical thing to compare it to, that reasonably sounds like a season. Yeah. But at the same time, kind of VR Troopers and Big Bad Beetleborgs both had similar numbers of episodes and were each two seasons. And those generally aren't disputed how many seasons they are. So it's a little weird. But yeah, yeah, just depending on how you look at it, there is there's either one 40 episode season of Master Rider or two 20 episode seasons. And it kind of doesn't matter either way. Um, It's 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 really just sort of. You know, it's 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 really just semantic when it comes right down to it. This whole production seems like Zabam was not drunk, but drunker at the wheel. Now, as I understand it, uh, I believe while well, Saban like footed the bill and everything because he's the money, right? I th- if I remember correctly, I think Master Rider was actually Shooky Levy's baby. Oh boy, more okay. than it was his. Uh, like, just as I understand that, don't hold me to that. And also, folks, right. listen, I'm gonna get shit wrong. If, if I'm if I'm wrong about something and you know better, please write in and and correct me, like because I like there's I I'm gonna get stuff wrong. I'm, I'm an more, idiot. I'm morbidly curious about Mast Rider corrections. Yeah, you know what? I genuinely want to know. Uh, I I want to know about this show because like honestly, info's kind of scarce. Yeah, like I'm talking about Wikipedia versus IMDb. Like really, all the sources I have are those two, and then also Ranger Wiki. And Ranger Wiki's got basically nothing, and also it's a den of <laughs> lies. So, you know, who knows? Um, but anyway, but uh, one final thing: uh, I'm not actually going to do what I've done on other bonus episodes of Power Rangers and do like a big long actor, you know, spotlight breakdown because I plan on doing all 40 episodes of this. So I'm going to sort of, you know, eke those out. I'm going to try and do one actor a go. And I am going to start with one that, honestly, I, the reason I'm doing this one is because it's the actor that I probably won't need to explain who it is. But it is also probably, like, the actor with the smallest role in the show, because you never see him, and you never hear him. He's a stunt actor in the suit. So there is there is a mascot character in this show called Furbus. He's like the comedy relief character. And yeah. the vast majority of the time, he's a puppet. But occasionally, occasionally, he's a little person in a suit. And when he's a little person in a suit, he is Vern Troyer. Holy shit, seriously? Yeah. It, here's the thing. It's it's uncredited in the show, but if you actually do the digging for like the, the production credits of the show, he's listed as the stunt actor for, for Furbis in this show. And uh, for folks who don't know, because, I mean, not everybody memorizes celebrity names, Vern Troyer is the actor who is most famous for playing Mini-Me in the Austin Powers movies, although he has plenty of other roles. He actually also does a lot of voice work. Uh, He also does a lot of both regular acting and stunt work. And honestly, like, even when you look at his IMDb page, a lot of his roles are uncredited. 
It took a while before his name actually started appearing on his work. I'm not surprised by that, sadly. Yeah, no, it's it's depressing as hell. But also, like, he is far and away the most famous person in Masked Rider. And, like, if you didn't go and look it up, you would never know he was in this. That's it's wild. wild. Yeah. Yeah. God damn the show. <laughs> it's full of surprises, isn't it? Like... Yeah, so is a box of scorpions that you didn't know had scorpions inside. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So, so are Russian nest, so are Russian nesting dolls filled with a new kind of plastic explosives on in each single one. Like, I don't like this show. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, this show is bad. It's show no, is it's really bad. so. So here's something we should we should probably uh, also get into and. God, I'm sorry, folks. I know we're nearly 40 minutes into this. We haven't started describing episode one yet, but there's a lot to cover. Uh, as far as Power Rangers knockoffs and spinoffs that I have watched for Teenagers with Attitude, this isn't the worst one. It's it's not the best one, but like it's not the bottom of the barrel either. Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills is worse Whoa, than this. Okay, it's probably on par with VR Troopers. I think I think I think Big Bad Beetleborgs is better. I'm oh, yeah, still kind of on the fence as to how it compares to Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. S- Samurai Humans Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad gets a lot of brownie points for having Tim Curry in it. I'll say that. Um, also, that alone probably puts it above Mass Rider, but it's also not by a lot. That that shows maybe like weirdly the most faithful to its like original <laughs> fucking adaptation. Yeah, I I good things to say about I'm not going to say yeah, we'll, the full name because I hate saying the full name, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to get to that when we when we get to that. We haven't weirdly enough we got to this before we got to that, but like that's kind of like Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad is weird because it's like it's a Deke production, so it's like by the Inf- Inspector Gadget people of all people. But <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. Let's get into Masked Rider Episode One: Escape from Edenoi, Part One, and. We begin with the opening credits, which is basically a plot synopsis, which mm-hmm. means that, like, it explains everything we're about to see, um, which is weird to see in episode one. And uh, also the music, it's this weird thing because it's its its an orchestral score. And we actually found out during the Power Rangers episode that uh, they did get an actual orchestra for this. What? Uh, yeah. And actually, that's why they've, like, so after Mass Rider bombed, they used this specific piece of music and all the other music that they that they actually recorded for this. It's like, fuck, we paid for an orchestra. We need to put this music to use. And it appears in other Saban stuff as the years go on, <laughs> including <laughs> Digimon stuff. Like, like during during that crossover, it was freaking uh, Joel out a lot because some of the music in this appears in Digimon. Oh, God. Um, and hell, maybe you'll recognize some of it at some point. I don't know. Um, but it's it's this weird thing because they still... I guess from Power Rangers, they realized, oh shit, we need someone to say the title of the show in the music. So it plays this, it plays this orchestral theme, and then just kind of completely unrelated to it, it feels, it feels atonal, and it feels like it's completely offbeat, and it, you can tell it was added later. It's just this like bunch it's, of dudes' voices going, "Master Rider," it's so Mast bad. Rider. It's yeah. so bad. It's so bad. Actually, you know what? Uh, I'm still not sure who's going to be editing these. It's either going to be me or Zach or Eric. We don't know. Whoever does end up editing this, just go ahead and please play the opening theme because it's something. Yeah, play it right now. Fast Rider. 
Raptor. On a distant and embattled planet called Edenoi, a young prince named Dex is given great powers by his grandfather, the king, and is sent to the planet Earth to protect it from the advancing evil of Count Dragon and his vicious insectoids. Once on Earth, he is adopted by a kind family and learns to live as a human. With his companion, Furbus, by his side, Dex is ever vigilant, ready at a moment's notice to call on his powers to become Masked Rider. Awesome. Thank you. Possibly <laughs> me in the future. Uh, but so while the credits are rolling, um, we get a bunch of clips, most of which are from this episode and a lot of the rest of which I assume are from the next one. Uh, and then we also get a bunch of shots that are like there are their opening credits where it's it's a lot like they did with Power Rangers. And I I think it's partly to save time on the end credits. Yeah, so they don't have to try and stuff as many names back there. But it's just, it shows, and character as blank, and character as blank, sometimes in pairs. But then the last one is just, and introducing Furbus, and has no actor credit. It doesn't it doesn't name um, Vern Troyer, and it doesn't name uh, uh, another guy who we will end up doing a profile on later. He's, he's, uh, he's actually voiced by the guy who is the puppeteer uh, oh, for okay. him. Yeah, which uh, is named Paul Pistori, or... Paul Pistor, I'm not sure which. I'll have to look that up. Uh, and yeah, and it's just we see we see Master Rider, we see him transform, we see him get a, a motorcycle and a car and a laser sword. But like, we actually don't see any of that stuff in this episode because kind of spoilers for the discussion we're about to have. This episode ends with him finally doing the henshin. We just we just see our main character Dex fucking running around for the next half hour. I'm not gonna lie. I finished the episode. I went. That's it. Fuck you. <laughs> this this definitely uh, falls under Saban's usual method of making multi-parters, and it's something they actually got better uh, uh, with in Power Rangers as we've gotten into season three. But initially, their whole thing was just make forty minutes of footage and then cut it in the middle. Or if it's a three-parter, you know, make sixty minutes of footage and then cut it at the twenty-minute mark. And so on. Like, there's no consideration for, like, ending on a cliffhanger or ending on some kind of wrap-up. It's just, fuck it. Wherever we happen to be, freeze frame and, pl- and put the words to be continued there. Cut to common and- right of black. God. Okay. But, so- <laughs> See, fuck. this is why you haven't uh, had me on in a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great to have you. Um, so... We cut to we we open on rather uh, the planet Edenoi, which is a CGI cocoa puff. I believe we've mentioned that before. Oh my god, it is. Yeah, it's it very much is, and we also get repeated footage from that three parter from a friend in need, the opening three parter of Power Rangers season three. And and what's weird about that is we actually get a decent amount of repeated footage from that, not as much as you would think, but enough, and. Again, so that three-parter took great pains to introduce the world of Master Rider and to set up the spinoff and all that jazz. And then this 
comes up with a completely different origin story. Uh, not completely different, but enough that like it can't be that both of them are true. Yep. As far as Mass Rider is concerned, he never met the Power Rangers. And the biggest reason you know this to be true is because, Julie, I, I don't know if you've watched those, um, but the three-parter for A Friend in Need ends with Edenoi doomed. Yeah. Like... They barely touch on this here that, like, the, these people that were watching these slaves on, on Tatooine who are digging in the dirt are digging up noxious gas because Dragon is supposed to – is trying to get the locals to slowly poison themselves. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to just blow the planet up because he's trying to find the Masked Rider first. Yeah. And actually, I don't know if – I don't know if blowing up the planet is an option in this version of events. Because, like, once Dex leaves, he's got no reason not to blow up Edenoi. So I guess it's just not a, a thing. Um – but like, yeah, so at the end of that, it's just, it's honestly really sad because it's like Dex's grandpa, the king, telling him like, listen, our planet is doomed. Everyone's fleeing. I need you to go to Earth because that's where Dragon's headed next. Like, we couldn't save our homeworld. Let's try and save this other one. And it ends on a really, really genuinely melancholy note. And then this opening just kind of completely undoes it. You come to a crossroad and find a comrade of black and a comrade of RX. One only tells the truth, one only tells lies. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> From Common Rider Black to Phantoms Were Born. <laughs> so so we open on, on Edenoi, and I don't know if the original show has this filter or not. Um yeah. but like the this whole time and this general that we see here and, and this guy on this high guy on a horse with huge horns. Uh, he was also the main baddie in that three-parter, um, and I guess he's sort of the leader of the ground troops of Dragon on Edenoi, and I don't know if he comes back more as the series goes on or not, but this was just this was just a monster of the day in Black RX, near as I can tell. Like huh. this was just this was just one dude on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of a monster of the week just being a dude on the horse. Like <laughs> yeah, but and that's also kind of a weird thing. Is just it's what you get when you have kind of lazy sci-fi. Is just Edenoi is just it's just like Nevada with an orange filter, and there's just people with gas masks and evil knights on horses, Wait, and that's Edenoi. I just realized, yeah, why the fuck are they on horses? <laughs> I don't know. Just, there's horses. <laughs> that only just but, hit me, like. I don't know, again, I'm not sure whether or not, I, I presume this, at least some of this footage we're seeing here is from the original Toku. So, I guess they had horses uh, there, I don't, no, I don't know. No, like, Edenoi's not part of anything. Black RX, that, like, this is all, God. this is all original footage by Saban. All of it? Wow, that's- Yeah, none huh. of that, a yeah. <laughs> God, none of this makes sense then. Yeah, but like- yeah, because like at least Toku always will just take place on Earth. There will be a couple things that happen in space, but like, yeah, Black RX was entirely on Earth. That's really strange. Uh -huh. Like my my reflex a lot of the time when when Power Rangers or any other like show that's Toku mashed together with American footage, whenever that stuff gets like really inexplicable, my first instinct is to be like, okay, that's clearly them trying to work around a weird thing from the source material. No. But I guess not. But speaking of something that I do know is a weird thing from the source material, though, we do get we, we cut to Count Dragon's 
weird shrimp spaceship. Yeah. And we see Dragon and his crew. And I do want to point out it's Dragon D-R-E-G-O-N. And it was driving me crazy because, like, when you hear that, well, it sounds like you'd want to spell it with an A, but you can't do that because then his name is just Count Dragon, which, honestly, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, you but should have just been Count Dragon. <laughs> yeah, I would have been okay. That, totally fine. I mean, whatever. Like, like he's, he's in some sort of, like, he's pursuing the throne is his thing. Like, so our main character is Dex. He's the Prince of Edenoi. His grandpa is the king. His parent, when he was a kid, his parents were killed by Count Dragon, who is Dex's uncle. Um, oh, although his relationship to, to King Lexian is not 100% established. But, like, basically, like, like Count Dragon is making a, 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 is making a, a, a play for the throne, essentially. So, I mean, again, you throw in the knights on horses, like, why not just, like, this could just be, like, King Arthur in space. Who knows? Um, but in any case, so we see... The crew on the ship, we see Count Dragon, who, as mentioned before, will sometimes be Kamen Rider footage and will sometimes be American footage. And the only other person on the ship who will also sometimes be American footage is uh, his number two, Nefaria, who's yep. just kind of a lady in armor. She's just a regular-ass human lady in a helmet. Yep. Yeah. And then we get the actual, like, aliens and robots and shit. There's Cyclopter. Uh, he's like a robot biker kind of oh, dude. Cyclops is cool. Yeah. Uh, there's Double Face, who has uh, a face where you would normally expect a face to be, but then a second one on his forehead. Yep. Uh, there's Gork, who's like a weird little gremlin who always talks in rhyme, and I fucking hate him. <laughs> and then there's the tiny little helper robot, who I think only has like three seconds of footage that they use over and over again. It's like a floating yeah. infobot, whose yep. name is Fact. He's... That, that thing's not really a character from what I recall in Black RX. Probably not, but like, like, like she, and I'm I'm going with she because uh, it's voiced by an actress. Um, the, the name is Fact, and like, it's just every five seconds, Fact chimes in, is like, Count Dragon, here's the thing that's happening. The audience <laughs> already knows about it, but we need to establish that you know what's going on, so I'm going to explain the last scene we just saw. Oh, no, wait, hang on. Okay, so, alright, so I'm just on the list. That robot is a thing in Black RX. Would you like to hear the uh, the Toku counterparts for these characters' names? I would love that. Count Dragon is General Jark. J-A-R-K. Okay, sure. I love a name. Um, Nefaria is Intelligence Staff Officer uh, Mary Baron. Alright, yeah. Uh, Doubleface is Naval Commander Boss Gun. Boss Gun? Yep, B-O-S-T-U-N, Boss Gun. Um, Cyclopter is... Armored Captain Gate Zone. Nice, hell yes. Uh, Gork is Fanged Captain Ghidorian. Alright. And then, fact is, I'm not shitting you, Chief Cabinet Secretary Robo Chakram. Okay! Alright, yeah! Hell yeah, sure. Mike, you know, you want to know what the mooks are called in the Toku version and Black RX? Please, I'm dying to know. Chaps. Chaps? Yeah, C-H-A-P-S. Chaps. They're just chaps. Look at those chaps. Wow. Uh, okay, so we actually get a couple sort of, uh, like, wh- what do the chaps look like? Because we got a oh, couple no, they, kinds they, they of mooks look, in this show. They look, they use the same suits for the mooks. 
Is in like those really, very I can plain, see like, got more pieces. than one kind. Con- oh, are they like the the weird weird uh, like ogre guys. things? Uh, the stormtrooper guys, sort of. Oh, the wait, the dudes on the horses? No, like the dudes in, like the white masks. Oh, I don't think we get those. You see them very briefly in the background here, like in um in like Enoi scenes. Like I think just in the last thirty seconds of the actual episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because we didn't get we got completely different mooks in the in the three parter, and I don't know how much that carries over to this show, but well, like, I, th- I think this might yeah. be another Tenga situation where like like Saban just made their own original mooks. Well, I mean, well, no, because Master Rider they're called Commandoids. It's the same dudes. Huh. Okay. Like sure. yeah, they're, they're they're the same. I just love that they're called chaps. All right, sure. Oh, also, Cogwarts are the things I'm thinking of. I also say. <laughs> Fact in Black RX, I'm I'm sorry. Chief Cabinet Secretary Robo Chakram only appears to announce Jock's arrival. That's, that's really it, good. That, that's its entire purpose, it, and that's and that's a Chief Cabinet Secretary. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's really good. Okay, Go so <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this this dude on a horse yells at uh, someone who we find out is Dex. Um, who's wearing a gas mask and is digging in the dirt. He's like, hey, you better keep digging. Get that gas out. And he's like, okay. And then we cut up to uh, where Count Dragon is. And basically, they we get we get the info dump about Cyclopter and Nefaria and and Dex's relationship to the king and to, uh, and to Dex and to his dead parents and yada, 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 yada. And we cut back down to Edenoi. We go, we go back to the orange filter. And Dex and his friends, and these are the same three companions he had in the three-parter, like the crossover with Power Rangers, but also, like with that, I could not be bothered to learn their names because they're completely unimportant. Also, God, you're right. This music isn't Digimon as they're running along this ridge. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) You monster. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, uh, so basically, they're like, uh, hey, Dex, are we safe? He's like, yeah. Yeah, we're safe. The troops are paying too much attention to to what Count Dragon told them to do to notice that we're here. And then blowing their cover appears the cutesy mascot comic relief character, Furbus. A.K.A. a Hellspawn. Furbus is fucking terrifying. He's the worst. I hate him. Furbus is what you would get if Jeff Goldblum went into the transporter machine with a Furby. Yeah, so here's the wild thing about that. Yeah, I looked I up was, as well. <laughs> I was incredibly surprised to find out that this show began and ended long before Furby was released. This started in 95, it ended in 96, Furby hit shelves in 1998. What? Yeah. Happen- like, that's too much of a coincidence. It- I don't know. I, I just- Eh. My mind is exploding. I I but, want there to be at some point a Viceland documentary of how the fuck this happened. I I don't know, but Furbus Furbus is of the breed of comic relief cutesy characters where he speaks kind of in gibberish but can kind of also say real words question mark. Like for half the episode he's going Dex 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 help I might hate Furbus and Flabber. Oh. 
Oh God. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's oh, yeah, that's a no, tough one, actually. Yeah, like fuck. You pit them to the death. I don't know who I want to lose. More. I mean, I want them both to lose, but also like Flabber's undead, so that's kind of like the it, like. There's there's no way Furbus comes I, out on top. I, I I have a gun in each hand. One is a regular one. One is a ghost gun. I right. don't know who hey. I pull the trigger on. Like, por qué no los dos? <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, you know what? Let, 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 let's posit this this thought experiment. Would you rather watch Big Bad Beetleborgs with Furbus in Flabber's place, or Masked Rider with Flabber in place of Furbus? You have like really, which, which like, show would be most that, improved by the swap? That Moss Rider, honestly, because by doing that with that thought experiment, you have downgraded the quality of Big Bad Beetleballs, and I like that show. Okay, all like, right. Yeah, no, Furbus fucking sucks. Okay, I we've done it, folks. We found we found a character Julie hates more than Flabber. We've done it. Yeah. I Congratulations hate to, to to teenagers with attitude or writers with master. <laughs> Whatever we're calling this, uh, but so we get more horses. Uh, there is a chase scene that lasts too long, forever, too long, too long. That yeah, is it, the quantifiable term for too long. Yeah, it's just basically. So there's the leader guy that we saw at the beginning, and then his three underlings who are also on horses. And for some reason, they split up. Leader guy goes to chase Dex and his crew. And he sends the three of them to chase Furbus specifically. I actually relate to this general guy because he knows that it is the most important thing is not to kill the leader of the revolution and his closest companions. The most important thing is to make sure Furbus dies. Yeah. So he's he has allocated the majority of his resources toward that goal. Um, but so this this chasing goes on forever. In the middle of it, we cut back up to the to the ship to see how you know dragons talking about you know whatever the fuck. And there's a bit where like the number uh the number two, I guess, of the of these three like minions on horses shoots a laser at Furbus and like knocks some rubble down on top of him and like traps him under some rocks. It's just like, well, that'll take care of him, and he rides away, even though Furbus is very obviously and unfortunately still alive. I Furbus makes me understand how people who hate Ewoks feel. Oh god, yeah. Because like yeah. I, I like Ewoks. I honestly I don't care about them one way or the other. But like I, I, I people, can take or leave Ewoks myself. Yeah, but like there, there are people who hate Ewoks. And I'm always been like, man, that's a weird amount of vitriol for those characters. And then with Verb, it's like, oh wait, no, I get it. Fuck, fuck that. Not not the Ewoks, th- but this. The thing that tears me about Furbus is that like we mentioned earlier that the that there's a puppeteer working him. And in terms of the actual, like, the puppeteering and the quality of the puppet, because, like, this thing actually has some really elaborate, like, like robotic eyes and mouth stuff that it does. Like, in terms of just being a puppet and the job the puppeteer is doing, it's really great. Like, yeah, no, if Furbus didn't, if Furbus didn't, like, sound and behave the way that he does, I could see this being a likable character. But it is, it is... It is a lot of talent and craft going into dog shit. I really wish Furbus was more like Howl the Duck. Yeah, actually, kinda. I, I, you know what, I, fuck, if Furbus just talked instead of being unintelligible, well, um, I don't know, though. That might be a monkey paw situation if I, if I, if I start wishing that Furbus just spoke normally. 
I don't know what I'm going to get in that scenario. I will also say yep. this, now that you mentioned the advanced puppeteering and animatronics in Furbus, I want you to now imagine Furbus without his face. <clears throat> yep. Honestly, an improvement, I think. Really? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think if you rip off his face and it just becomes some fucking Five Nights at Freddy shit, I think I would like Furbus more. I don't know, like, real-life animatronics are, like, God's mistake when you take off their face. It's like- No, it's terrifying, but I'd rather be terrified than annoyed. Just a very quick, completely unrelated aside, because we just mentioned animatronics. When I was in Michigan, like, in January, we, uh, my partner and I, we passed by Chuck E. Cheese. That car park was full, and we were just like, what the fuck is popping off at Chuck E. Cheese? (laughs) Probably some kid's birthday party. Oh, it was- it was like three nights in a row, though. Oh, that's the thing is, there aren't actually that many Chuck E. Cheeses in America, relatively speaking, so the ones that are there are pretty decently popular. That's fair. I like. It was just funny, like, an entire car park full in front of a Chuck E. Cheese. Like, there are exactly two entities keeping the arcade cabinet industry alive in the United <laughs> States, and it's the fighting game community and Chuck E. Cheese. Really, that's, that's it. That's fair. Uh, but so, all right. So anyway, uh, basically, Dex and his crew, they they pull some fucking Shire Baggins shit oh my here. God, it really is. Yeah, they just they just could they just hide behind a rock, and a the rock. guys on horses are just like, we lost them. What the fuck? Whoa. Are they rock blind? Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's it's hard. To, like, listen. When the entire planet is orange, everything is camouflage. Yeah, I won't lie. This, I think, this part of the episode may have damaged my eyes a little bit. Like, oh, it's so orange. It's a little messed up. So, uh, Count Dragon is like, okay, uh, I'm starting to lose ground on this battle with my nephew and and father in law slash father possibly question mark. So. I need to go to Earth and get more troops. I need to enslave the human race. And to that end, I am going to send something he calls the Destructosphere to Earth. And he just drops it down a trash chute, and a green laser happens, and it flies past a suburban household that we will uh, later find out belongs to the... uh, What are their names? The Stewart family. Uh, And it lands in a city called, I believe it's... Uh, Leewood? Yeah. I want to say, is the name of the town. And so this thing lands, and you said that this is where uh, Common Rider ZO shit happens? Yeah, this is all ZO footage. So this thing... This thing is half the alien from Aliens and half the T-1000 from Terminator. And that's not me just making random fucking pop culture references here. It literally, like absorbs up every metal around it like like a bicycle and like some metal plates and shit melt and it morphs into a ball and then like the blob like spins around and then it takes the shape of this fucking really gross common rider monster yeah it, it's like, like hey the xenomorph and t1000 had a kid and it's basically the stepbrother to gaiva yeah, oh, it's very Guyver-esque, especially, like, these spikes come out of its shoulders, and they had these, like, these gooey, like, scrunchy noises, like, <laughs> kind yep. of sounds that come out of it. It's real bad, it's real gross, it's fucking scary, and I don't know who thought this was a thing you could put into a children's show. It's really weird. It's fucking disgusting like, and terrifying. Yeah, those Zeto, like, Jay and Shinna's movies, at least Zeto definitely, is very much the horror movies. 
Common writer. Yeah, it it does feel like we randomly cut to a horror movie, and in terms of giving, in terms of giving your hero a monster to fight, you know, cutting to cutting from a children's show to just a straight up actual horror movie. I mean, it's effective. Yeah, it gets the job done. But I don't know if it's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, it's about time for us to cut to a suburban home and to meet the Stewart family. But before we do that, it's been about an hour. Why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? Alright, so we're it, it's time to meet the Stewart family. And uh, Jill and I talked about this a little bit during the break, uh, but this family, for Saban's purposes, is kind of a slam dunk, because they clearly took the lesson from Power Rangers, and it's the correct lesson. Uh, is it, As much stuff as they fucked up vis-a-vis this kind of thing in Power Rangers, like, I mean, we've talked about it extensively over on the main show, but like... They clearly understood that, like, as far as getting more people to watch your show, diversity is a good call. Uh, and they wanted to also mix that with the fact that they want to do the Superman story with Dex. They want him to come to Earth and be adopted by an Earth family. And they evidently just kind of said to themselves, like, well, if this is a family that is prone to, like, adopting children, like, maybe they've already adopted some kids. And so maybe just within this family, it's going to be very diverse. And and actually, just a moment ago, we, we took a break and I made a trip to the bathroom. And while I was in there, you know, fucking hashtag bathroom thoughts, I just realized <laughs> that as far as, like, the racial representation and the gender representation, this family is identical to the original cast of Power Rangers. There's... Oh my two, fucking god. Yeah. Two women, three men, three white people, one African-American, uh, one Asian-American, and that's the family. Huh. So... <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's the it's a successful formula. I, Why mess with it? I guess. I, I mean, it's one of those things where like that is very much the case for a frankly a Californian family of nineties in terms of like a Californian like if you want to look at you know the the uh the melting pot of you know culture minorities together with the majority in America. Yeah, like because. Lot of Asian Americans on the West Coast in California. Yeah. So let's before we actually get to what happens in the scene, let's go ahead and break down the family. Uh, so the dad, who is the one that we're not actually going to meet right away, he'll be showing up toward the end of the scene, is Hal Stewart. Uh, he is a, a full-time handyman and a part-time inventor, is how he's listed on Wikipedia. He has like he's he's kind of this show's Billy, but also he's like an alien haunting conspiracy theorist a little bit so like he's real excited when Dex shows up I I will say this he reminded me a lot of Stu Pickles from the Rugrats oh god you're right yeah he also physically and there's not a slight against him it's genuine genuine like his face reminds me of Gabe Newell without glasses a little bit I was gonna say he felt like a like again. All of my points of reference here are to Power Rangers because of the similarity between the shows. He feels like a less like comedy. Re- well, he's just as comedy relief, but he feels like a less stupid Ernie. 
kind of. Right. <laughs> yeah. He, he, like, he just strikes me as very Ernie. Um, maybe Ernie then, with a little, well, maybe, uh, maybe equal amount of business acumen, but. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Just ma- like, what if Ernie was also Billy is basically, right. is basically Hal Stewart. And also, just the fact that his name is is Hal Stewart is really throwing me off as a as a fan of of DC characters because he's 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 he's, he's two Hal. he's two halves of two different Green Lanterns. Oh my god, he is. Yeah, that might be where they got the name for. Actually, all I know. yeah, like that's yeah. Like they, they they asked they asked Bob the Green Lantern fan on the staff, "Hey, uh, we need a name for the dad." Uh, Hal Stewart got it printed. Yeah, that's no, perfect. I, yeah, yeah, it works. Fucking work for Frank Abagnale and catch me if you can. Fuck it. Yeah. So uh, his wife Barbara, the mom, uh, she is a caterer, and that's uh, something that actually comes into play uh, in this scene a little bit, uh, and more so in in part two. She works as a caterer. Uh, her teenage daughter Molly, uh, who is well, she's a high schooler, and that's kind of all we've got to work with for now. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out more about these characters as the show goes on. But li- folks, we're literally watching the first episode. There's only so much. And then uh, the younger brother. Well, Molly's in high school. Uh, Albie is the brother. I think yep. he's in middle school, give or take. Yeah, I'll like say. he's a little kid. Yeah, he's 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 uh, he's. He's sort of the 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 kid that I think the audience members are meant to relate to the most. He's sort of the POV character, I would say. Yeah, he's the precocious, like, 10, 11-year-old. Yeah, yeah. So, when we come to this house, we actually start by watching a news broadcast talking about uh, how there's no information about the metal object that fell out of the sky earlier. No one's really sure what's going on with that. So, hey, sure, all right. Yeah. What essentially happens is uh, Barbara tells Albie to, you know, he's got to he's got to get to bed soon. He's can't stay up watching the news. He's got school in the morning. And meanwhile, uh, she's also asking Molly to help her finish up with some catering stuff that she's preparing uh, right then. But Molly is busy on the phone with the next door neighbor and one half of our Bulk and Skull equivalents, um, a girl by the name of I want to say Patsy. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I want to say Patsy, um, and we'll get to her in a second. Patsy, Patsy is trying to get Molly to come over to her garage to to look at something cool, is what she says. When in reality, she has set up an elaborate prank where she wants Molly to come over to her garage, trip a, a, a wire, and have some slime fall on her head. Um, oh, I also love. I just I just looked at my notes. Patsy's full name is Patsy Carbuncle. <laughs> Which, that's a really good last name for your bully character to have, that's I'm gonna really say. Good. That's really good. Patsy Carbuncle, and her number two is this real, just absolute cliched nerlinger by the name of Herbie. And, uh, good. I just need to make a, this, this phrase into my brain, and I realize how much of a monster I am. Um, but after their whole shenanigan, which we'll explain in detail as if, over the next, like, five minutes or so... Patsy's very clearly fin-doming Herbie. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of, like, yeah. I'm, like, listen. I mean, she's she's a lot doming Herbie uh, in just about every capacity <sighs> except actual doming. So, so basically, Herbie is this nerd that Patsy has got at her beck and call. And she basically, she's basically got him, like, 
hey, you keep doing all this stuff for me, and I'll go out with you. Well, it's, I not, mean, even, it, it's not even that, because, like, Herbie questions, that, you know, hey, why are we even doing this? And she gives this whole explanation and says, now, if you don't <laughs> keep doing this, I won't let you take me to the movies this Saturday. It's like, okay. Yeah. And, yeah, right. and, and in sort of their, their culminating scene later, like, she'll tell him, like, when he, he says he has to go home, she'll be like, don't forget to do my homework for me. And yeah. the basic gist of it is, like, he doesn't understand why they want to do anything to Molly. Molly's never done anything to Patsy. And she's like, yes, she has. She beat me for the lead role in the school play. And also the that one, like, super hunk at the school, Bobby Brigmore, likes her. God, Bobby Brigmore's a hell of a fucking name as well. Yeah. And Herbie's like, yeah, but she doesn't like Bobby back. Why do you, why do you care? And and she's just like, it's it's the fucking principle of the thing, or whatever the fuck. And so they set up this elaborate prank. Herbie's Herbie checks the bucket to see if it has enough slime by sticking his hand in it. And we get we get even more gross like slime noises, and I hate it. Well, like it just, I like the idea of like. Does this, have, does this have enough corrosive acid in it? Better reach my head into it. Like, why would you- Gotta make sure this slime is good and slimy. Like, why would you just go, mm, I wonder if there's enough slime in it. Oh, no, I'm covered in slime. How could this happen? <laughs> yeah, didn't think that through. We also find out that Herbie has, I, I guess, a nervous tick. But, like, whenever he gets stressed out, he starts hiccuping. Not even stressed out. He says specifically, whenever I get stressed or excited- I think I think it says or upset too. I think no, it's excited I'm, or upset. I'm yeah, not sure. After she mentions threatening to not let him take her to the movies later. God, that's. Whew, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. It's a, but also the, just the whole ugh. hiccup thing. The hiccup thing is is weird because I feel like it's this show's attempt to like they they want to evoke the the stereotype of the nerd having allergies without actually making fun of an allergic person or like having him pull out an inhaler which would be really shitty yeah so it's like well uh, we'll just say he gets the hiccups that's you like, know and it's it's fine it's just really like okay that's weird cool yeah it's it's weird so we cut back to orange town uh on the planet edenoi and we see furbis digging himself out of the rocks he was I'm not even going to say buried in. He was mildly inconvenienced by these rocks. There were a few of them on his stomach. They're lying on top of him like a cat would lie on top of you. Like, it's just... Hell, yeah, hell, you'd I have more trouble put- getting up if a cat was lying on your chest in this rock. Yeah, I get why they wouldn't necessarily want to bury their stunt actor in rocks, because let's face it, this is a bond. Those are definitely real rocks. Um, but, like, <laughs> just... Yeah, it's it's just... It's kind of... I don't know. It's it's not anything. We see Dex and his crew find uh, King Lexian. And like, hey, Grandpa, um, so Dragon's troops are retreating. I think we're finally starting to win. He's like, nah, dude. The, they're, they're retreating a little bit because he's starting to run out of troops. And like, he's, he's just backing out a bit so he can go recruit more by enslaving this planet called Earth. And Dex is like, oh, fuck. That's not good. I've got to go stop that. He's like, yep. Uh, get ready for your Earth disguise. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So, do you have anything you, you have anything you want to say about this outfit, Julie? So, like you mentioned before, they basically picked this dude to ble- to play Dex because he has a passing silhouette similarity to Kotaro Minami, you know, you know Tetsuo Karada, the actor. 
uh, in Black and they, Onyx. They kind of look similar if you only see them from the back and you kind of squint. Right, and then it's the case where, oh, well, in Black RX, Katara always wears, like, sick white jacket and pan and glove combo. That's cool. On him, it, on Dex, it look, he looks like the biggest dweebo. And, like, not in an endearing way, just more like, oh, you're you're that kid trying to look cool. Yeah, and also failing because, like, you can you can tell just from seeing, like, when he gets to Earth and you can see everyone else around him, you can tell it's 1995 and he's dressed like it's 1989. Like, I don't know fashion, <laughs> like, at all, but even I can see that he sticks out like a sore thumb. Because he's trying, he's looking Marty McFly, and he's surrounded by the cast of Nine Hundred Two One Zero. God, it- I don't know. When I first saw this, I was just like, "This is like if fucking Zach Braff in during the Scrubs era just tried to uh, dress up as Tommy all over one episode." Oh yeah, like it's just you know a weird what? Yeah. thing. Of, like what? 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 Okay. Also, like yeah, here's your Earth outfit. Yeah, your one Earth outfit. Good luck. <laughs> your one. And, and so- also, it's the case where, like, okay, he's an alien, you know. Oh, alien going to alien going to Earth. He needed uh, an Earth outfit, but it's like, as a member of the fucking Edenoi race, he just looks like a regular person because, of course, he does with like a glowing jewel in his head. He can reveal a jewel any time he wants on Earth, anyway. So it's like, what is the fucking point? I don't know. Like, so apparently, the, the explanation they give later in the show. Is that he can psychically hide the jewel, and it's okay, sure. just some, it's just sometimes under duress, like he loses it. So they actually do a better job of explaining what the deal is with the Edenoi like forehead jewel in the Power Rangers episode than they do here. <laughs> but the basic gist of it is it allows Edenoians or whatever oh you call them to like psychically communicate with each other, project images, like in this footage, like as the characters speak, the like. The, the jewels light up as they talk, which is kind of strange. Uh, sure. I, like, it's the case where, oh, no, like, that's cool. You can psychically hide the jewel. That's fine. He can do all this. It's just so weird, like, calling it, like, the fact that his grandfather calls it an Earth costume is like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, d- uh, damn, King Lexian. Like, other people's cultures aren't costumes. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so no, that, sorry no, for that. No, that, that is fair after the bullshit <laughs> I have pulled in this episode. <laughs> but so, uh, we get what is maybe my favorite special effect ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like Dex, it, he, he quite literally says, I have to go now, my whole planet needs me. <laughs> and his his legs turn into orange light, and he blasts off like a rocket. This <laughs> is... This, oh my god. This is some kid trying to replicate Dragon Ball Z with MS Paint only. Yeah, a little bit. This is this is some like I have given Toei shit for like, oh man, they've really un- it's only really been until Juojo they've actually properly done like flying in CGI well, cuz every other time it's just been click and drag the character model and this is worse than that. That's so bad. So he likes he's, he he before he turns into a, a space ball, he he says to his king, like, hey, I can't find Furbus. When you see him, take care of him for me, because Furbus is so fucking important, y'all. Uh, the kids fucking love Furbus. Uh, but, like, so he, he Team Rocket blasts off again, and then 
Furbis uh, runs up to the king. is like, oh, no, Dax. And the king's like, don't worry, Furbis. He'll be fine. He'll be back when he's done with his quest, which will, I assume, take exactly 40 episodes unless he <laughs> dies off screen when the show ends. I don't know. I'll say your impressions of Furbis are more enunciated than what Fer- how Furbis actually sounds. I, I can't I can't sound like Furbis, Furbis like is, on purpose. Furbis like you're making actual consonants. Like Furbis is just a fucking droning noise of that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Furbis is like you okay, trying to strangle a baby raptor. <laughs> thank, thank you for being my voice coach and working me through this, my, my, my fucking Furbis impression. No, we'll, we'll get you on the reboot, don't worry. <laughs> so, so we see, we cut to what I presume is RX Black, uh, Kamen Rider Black RX footage. And we see just this Japanese man flying through space. And what's great is that in... In Mast Rider, this is supposed to be Dex, like, voluntarily flying from one planet to another. (laughs) Like, he turns, he shoots off like a rocket, he turns into a fireball, it seems deliberate. When we cut to the Kamen Rider footage, it is very clear that this dude is just passed out and flying through space, kind of involuntarily. I I assume this is the bit you were talking about where, like, they broke his thing and threw him into the sun. Yeah, pretty much. But, like, yeah, it's, it like, this is very clearly, we have gone from a white teenager flying through space on purpose to just this grown Japanese man just kind of drunkenly swinging on a rope. <laughs> I'll say this. As, 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 fucking, as the finale to, like, to whatever, like, 2001 Space Odyssey happens I'll, around him. I'll say this. Grown Japanese man is giving a lot. Uh, Tetsuo Karada was, like, 19. I'm pretty sure that still makes him older than Dex's actor Oh, was. yeah, without, without a doubt. But it's still just, like... I won't lie. At first, yeah. I had trouble. I had trouble telling. Like, is that actually? I I cannot fucking tell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I could tell. <laughs> but uh, so basically, Dex comes down on Earth, and in the process, starts an earthquake. So we didn't really mention it before, but Patsy is actually the Stewart's next door neighbor, which is, I, I guess, how they're. Go- because, I mean, how else could you have, I guess, the Bulk and Skull character in a show that's mostly going to take place in these people's house, I guess? Yeah. Um, but, like, so, uh, Herbie steps over the tripwire for the trap. He, he avoids it at first because he wants to get a look at the meteor. And he's like, oh, it's a meteor. And then the earthquake happens and he falls over. And, like, both of both of them run into each other. And then the trap triggers and they both get covered in slime. And... During that same sequence, we also see the earthquake from the perspective of the stewards. We like actually cut back and forth between uh, between the antagonists and the family and the meteor coming down, and just it's it's a lot of quick cuts. What I do love, what I do love, is that when we're in the stewards' home, uh, we we one we get some dialogue from Hal, where he's like, "I knew it, I knew it. Let me check my molecular whatchama thingy," and it's like. I knew it. There's something out there. Like he's hunting for aliens is the thing, <laughs> uh, which, which I, again, I love, I love the idea of this dude is just, he's this wacky guy who believes he thinks the truth is out there. And then just a fucking alien lands in his backyard. Cause why not? Like, I think that's great. Uh, but of course, as soon as he says that, he's like, I've done it. My genius has finally paid off. A potted plant falls and lands on his, on his head. Yep. Uh, but also we get a quick shot of a photo on a coffee table that's a picture of uh, Hal, Barb, and Albie 
just making funny faces. And I I love the idea that like it it honestly adds a lot of a lot to the family to see this picture of just like the mom, the dad, and the son making funny faces, and presumably the daughter was holding the camera. And it's just a nice, fun little moment that they decided to save and and put on the table there, and I like it. I'll, I'll say right now, when I first, because I actually never seen Mars Rider before, except for like the whole bit with the three parter and Power Rangers as a kid, and like when I first went back and was like, "Ooh, Saban's tackling a, a multiracial adoptive family. I wonder how that goes." And I was like, "Oh." It's actually just fine. That's surprising. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's 39 more episodes of this. They could fuck it up. Listen, I'm and just it's a bond, say, so there's a good chance. But listen, I breathed a huge sigh of relief when I saw no wall scrolls, no red lanterns around the house, no jade statues just hanging out on tables, and that Barbara didn't have a bad fake accent. You know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah, I I am glad. That she is a caterer, and you mentioned before this very much seems like Shuki Levy's uh, child more than Saban's. I am 90% certain if Saban was actually doing this and had way more control of it, it would have been, oh, she's, you, she's, she needs help with, uh, from Molly for a catering service. And she's making sushi with a rice paper hat on top of her. God, yeah, I could see that. Yep. So I was <sighs> like, hey, you weren't racist. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. God, I I could just imagine like the the episode where it's like we need to learn more about mom's heritage, and it's got the daughter and the son walking around in a fucking kimono. Because yep, God. Oh right. no, we need to save this inherited paper lantern. Yeah. Again. God, yeah. The the paper lantern episode was was something. Here, here, Adam, have have this lantern from your unspecified Asian oh, country heritage. Damn lantern. That's- why would you pass down a lantern? They're not made to last. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> it's like it's like Michael. We bequeath to you in the will your your dearly departed great grandfather's cherished paper airplane. Yeah, just <laughs> what? Why? Yeah, I don't. Unless I don't, it has two treasure know. maps on it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. Uh. But so, okay, I've kind of lost track of where- Oh, right, so, yeah, okay, so Dex crashes down. Yeah. Uh, we, again, we we again have sort of the Superman thing of, like, there's this fucking crater in the backyard. Uh, we, we cut back to see the end of the uh, Patsy and Herbie story, and she's, she's just like, oh, I bet this is one of Mr. Stewart's fucking harebrained experiments. And Herbie goes, I need to go home and clean up. <laughs> and she's like, don't forget to do my homework. And haha, that's that. Mm-hmm. That's the last we see of Herbie this episode. And we'll see Patsy one more time at the very end. Uh, but for now, we see Dex standing around in the crater and he's like still glowing orange. And like they, they kind of add this like filter effect. I I don't know. Okay. I know that what they want it to be is that like this is a meteor impact so it's glowing orange because it's still hot. I want I know that's what they're going for, but I can't help but feel it's just like this is just the residual orangeness of Edenoi <laughs> finally dissipating because the whole planet's just fucking orange. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh so the family comes out and finds him. The dad brought out his like science fiction device, because of course he did. 
And the mom's like, oh no, my petunias! And hey, to be Dex fair, I would be just as pissed. Yeah. And Dex is like, my deepest apologies. Uh, well, he, he says it's a lot more higher pitched when he does it, but like, the thing about Dex, and this this becomes a plot point several times as we go along, is the Edenoian way of speaking, kind of again with the whole thing like this is a royal family and stuff, is he not only speaks, like, he uses a lot of big words, but not in the way that like Billy uses a lot of like big old science words just to just to like convey he's a nerd. Like, with Dex, they're trying to convey that like he's very, he's very I guess, aristocratic and well-spoken. Yeah, no, that he comes like, from a like royal background. Like, yeah, he 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 doesn't know how to use slang essentially, and it it comes up a few times that Albie's like, "Dude, are you speaking English? I'm re- I'm eleven. I don't know what those words are." Yeah, like using the word imperative around an eleven year old. Yeah, I I I got a brother who does that with our niece, and it's like, my dude, she's three. Come on. <laughs> hey, hey, you, hey, gotta expose them to language. This is actually the best way to do it. I mean, yeah, but still. <laughs> um, so, but like, yeah, so they, they're like, oh man, this, this kid's clearly had an episode. He's talking nonsense because he's, he just straights up telling, he like, he, he does not try to maintain this facade at all. Like he'll try to maintain it later, but like he bothers to put on an earth disguise. And then like the first people he runs into, he's like, Hi. <laughs> my name's Dex. I'm the prince of an alien world. I'm here to save you because, like, my evil uncle Count Dragon's about to send some shit. Like, you need to be ready. Like, he's gonna enslave your race. And they're like, his grandfather, the king, just seeing this cycle, just throwing his stuff, going, "God, fucking damn it, Dex! Dex, you didn't, you didn't even keep it up for two seconds." <laughs> Like we put we put you in that dumb fucking white jacket so you could pretend to be an Earth man. Come on, boy. <laughs> do you know how long I slaved over that Earth costume? Yeah. Do you know how long I spent researching Earth fashion? Like, there's a delay. I can only <laughs> like find out what was going on six years ago. I had to take an educated guess here. That's you a know? pretty good time difference. <laughs> I mean, they're li- they do say that this is light years away, which I mean, yeah. Listen, like that's, listen, that's the thing. That's shorter on how long it took Trent from America to reach Australia in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. So, cut back to Count Dragon, and it's this is basically just a scene of the robot telling him, like, Hey, uh, BT Dubs, uh, we found that our um, Destructosphere has landed, and it has begun its assimilation, which is the word they're using, I guess, for the fact that it keeps, like, absorbing metal. Which I think is something we only see it do once in the initial scene. I don't think it does that anymore. No, that was really just point. to gain a form. Yeah, it probably does more of that in the original movie, I have to assume. But in Master Rider, that was kind of the one and only time. Yeah. So we cut back to the steward's kitchen, and they're trying to get Dex to explain what the bejesus is going on. And he's like, hey, yeah, so uh, I've already told you, I'm an alien prince. And, like, we gotta do the thing, or else my uncle's gonna do the bad thing to, to Earth. Like, I've well, been over that with you already, and they're forget. like, dude, they, yeah. Give him a juice box. <laughs> yeah, they hand him the juice. The juice box is so good! Like, this is this is probably the only, like, a, a legitimate, genuine attempt at comedy that really lands for me in this whole episode. It's actually it's like, good. Yeah, they give, they give him the juice box, and, like, he's like, oh, okay, they're like, drink this. He's like, all right, sure. And he just, he fucking 
bites down into this juice box and fucking sprays juice everywhere. And like the actor really does go for it. He's like, ow. And like it it crunches and it sprays juice everywhere. And we get reaction shots of the dad and the son getting like juice sprayed at them. I think the dad gets some in his eye. And it's like, that's a legitimately good gag. It's really good. And then I like the dicks just goes, delicious. Thank you. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Just real matter of fact, like, "Mm, that was so good. Thank you very much for that juice. And so they do manage to get out of him that his parents died when he was young. And Albie's like, oh, you're an orphan, too. So, you know, so are we. Maybe mom and dad will adopt you, too. And, like, immediately the mom's just like, well, let's let's not jump the gun. Like, hey, hey, Albie, hey, hey, hey. Like, yeah, let's hit, pump the brakes there, champ. Uh, so Dex is like, you know what? I've tried to explain this to you verbally, like, I don't know, three or four times now, and it's not getting through. Why don't I just use my mystical forehead gem to show you? Well, I do, I do, like, just beforehand, the mom brings up, like, we should probably go to the police and, like, file a missing persons report. And I was like, no, you can't do that. I was like, why not? No, they, they were going to do that. It's the it's the son that protests. Yeah. And, like, he's like, oh, come on, you can't. And, like, it, he, like he's disappointed he's not going to get a brother, you know, out <laughs> of this deal. Like, he's... He reacts to it the way that a kid would if a parent told, you know, uh, told them that they're not allowed to get a puppy, essentially. Well, well no, the, like, oh, Mo- come on! Mo- Molly's also the one who says you can't as well, like, which is just, no, seriously, why, kids? Like, the, yeah, I mean, a strange, I, I get- a strange boy has turned up in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, I get why Albie is, would not be okay with this, because, again, he's a little kid and he doesn't think about the consequences of things. But, like, Molly should understand that just adopting another brother out of nowhere- especially one that you just kind of found in a crater in your backyard is a bit yeah i mean yeah. listen listen we give teenagers too much credit sometimes teenagers are very stupid i mean yes, they're very I mean, everybody's stupid but no 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 <laughs> teenagers i always have to remind people that listen just because you're a teenager doesn't mean you're magically half an adult now you are still very much a developing child <laughs> teenagers I mean, do not yeah. think through anything yeah, fair. That's fair. But uh, anyway, so Dex, like, you know, he he makes his crystal appear, and he has, the like, the wall comes out, and he gives us essentially the same backstory that he told the Rangers yeah. in that episode. Yeah. It's like, hey, so I'm the masked rider, the powers are passed from generation to generation, but my parents died, so I got it from my grandfather, who's still the king, and, you know, yada, 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 I'm out to save my planet. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of the clips of footage we get from this are from the Power Rangers three-parter that don't appear here. Like, we get a bit with him and his grandpa, and he's in, like, an Edenoid Prince outfit, and they shoot some lightning. And there's yep. also – there's footage of buildings exploding, and I think I think the implication is that, like, there was an actual proper civilization on Edenoid once, but, like, not anymore because Dragon's a shit heap. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we get – we get footage of him being the mass writer, and he and we even get him doing a few like high yaws, oh, even in the footage. Because so I get bad. Oh, they're they're the worst. Like we, we again, we talked about it uh, during the crossover, but like we've heard we've heard high yaws of varying quality on this podcast from watching Power Rangers and occasional ancillary shows. Like we have heard a lot of American actors try to do a good high yaw, you know, yeah. and to 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 mixed success. Dexes are hands down the worst. They're really and like, just like, so and I mean, like bad. He, 
what's weird is like, so we looked at, and again, I'm saving his like IMDB dive for another episode, but we actually did one for him over on TWA. And most of the rest of his IMDB is him playing roles that he got because he knows martial arts. Like being, being a martial arts actor is kind of his thing, but just, and, and he's good at that. He's good at martial arts straight up. Like he does yeah. some cool stuff, but like, he just he doesn't have a good high yaw, and well, for being in martial arts movies, that's kind of important. Well, so the thing is, uh, I know the term for in karate. I'm not sure what if it, it differs that much uh, across other schools of martial arts, but that's called you know kia. So basically, it is it's just a way for you to intimidate your opponent on the last strike, and a lot of the time, you. Know, because you're learning this and you're learning martial arts in classes with other people, you everyone's a little self-conscious. No one wants to really give like a you know real kia, like really just belt it out. But yeah, it feels like <laughs> he's still very self-conscious of doing that. Like even as an experienced martial artist, yeah, it's just it's not that he has a bad voice. It's not that he's annoying. No. He doesn't he just doesn't have a commanding voice. Yeah, cuz like which is something oh, you kind of need for a character like this. Cuz when you have like oh, you're comparing it to even just Tommy like, yo, yeah, and stuff. It's like <laughs> Dex is just like Yeah, for for all the problems with Jason David Frank, like when he needs to go high yaw and like yellow one-lighter at a guy in a monster costume, like he can do that. Dex is good at that. It's one of the few things he's really good at other than karate. I just giggled when we see the footage of Moss Rider and Dex and, De- and Dex just going, yeah, yeah. 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 It's very student film esque. Like, yeah, a little bit. Like, he wanted, I mean, to that point, like, after he does that, the dad says, wow, those are some real home movies, huh? <laughs> and. At this point, the family finally believes him. They're finally like, okay, all right, we believe you. You're an alien and you're here to help us. Well, we're we're going to help take care of you. We'll do what we can for you. Uh, this is kind of short notice, so for now, we're going to get you set up to sleep on the couch. And there's actually a great moment where, like, uh, uh, is it Albie? Is, is like, wow, a real-life alien superhero bug! And Molly goes, don't call him a bug, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> it's real good. Um, so we get the point where he's put up on the couch and he's speaking like just properly too much. And, you know, Albie's just like, man, you got to talk normal. And he's like, but I, how do I learn to do that? And Albie just goes, you watch TV, lots and lots and lots of TV. And Okay, so they they put on a cartoon here, and I could swear they've used this cartoon as filler for a TV on Power Rangers before. I don't know what this is. This is clearly some obscure anime that Saban had the rights to and probably never put in anywhere. And Because I know that Saban just licensed a whole bunch of shit in Japan. Some of it got used, some of it didn't, because like... Spoilers, later in this episode, we'll see Dex watching Samurai Pizza Cats. Oh god, that's right. I nearly had a stroke when that happened. Yeah, because it's easy. That's the thing is, um, Saban actually licensed and began work on dubbing Samurai Pizza Cats before they started working on Power Rangers. But Samurai Pizza Cats actually hit TV well after Power Rangers. They like they did all the they did that whole joke dub of Samurai Pizza Cats and then just kind of left it in the can for like two or three years. God, I remember the joke dub as well. 
Yeah, well, I mean, like, uh, not to get on too much of a tangent, but, like, that was a whole situation where, like, they didn't have the initial scripts. No. Uh, a lot of the audio was bad. A lot of the video quality was bad. It's just, like, we gotta we gotta work with what we have. And so they just played footage and just had people improv what was happening. And because, again, they, like, they had basically gotten nothing uh, from uh, – d- does Toei also make the original anime that Samurai Pizza Cats did, or is that somebody else? I'm fairly certain that's someone else. That, let me okay. Get give me one. I know. I know. Moment. Shoot. So it is. So the original anime is Kyoto Ninden Tiande, uh, Cat Ninja Legend Tiande. That is by nope, not Toei. It's uh Tatsunoko Productions. That's right. Because I remember there was a, a fighting game Tatsunoko versus Capcom, mm. and the those characters had to be left out of it because of the weird licensing issue. Uh, because if they were in there, they wouldn't be able to release that game in the West yes. without getting Samurai Pizza Cat's rights from Saban. And so that was yeah. And Tatsunoko also made the original Speed Racer. Yeah, yeah. That was there was that whole weird thing. So okay, but whatever this show is, I don't know, folks. <laughs> listen, it, folks, uh, if any of you watch this episode, because I know some folks like to watch along with the stuff that we talk about. If anyone watches this and recognizes this video it's it's at about like 16 minutes and 45 seconds into the show um i mean there's there's two cartoons that show up and the other one is obviously samurai pizza cats it's the one that's not that like if anyone sees this and knows what the hell it is because like there's a theme song playing so like they're they apparently like i at some point made a, a dub of this and just never released it or uh, released it and it was it fell off the face of the earth because they're like singing about like a bottle or something and it's it's got like a it's got like a salsa th- like feel to it like this is clearly this is clearly a dub of some anime that someone bothered to make couldn't find a use for and then just used it to fill in a scene in Masked Rider and like I got it 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 the genie family is the original anime by Tatsunoko as well it was Bob in a Bottle Bob in a Bottle? Bob in a Bottle is the is the dub version okay cool now I don't I don't know what the other one that we saw on a on a videotape like way back in like season two of Power Rangers was. I suspect it's it's another similar thing where it was just probably another Tatsu uh, Tatsunoko, is that is that it? Yeah. Tatsunoko like cartoon that they they, they grabbed because like Ooh, don't look up too much of Bob in a bottle. The genie is not a great representation. Oh boy, can uh, you link me a picture? Because I gotta uh, know what this I'm, I gotta know about this. Literally, I'm gonna, like, literally two shades higher than Mr. Popo. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That, mmm. Yeah, it, it ain't. Mmm. Mmm. Oh. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, it's real bad. That's, yeah, that's bad. Really bad. Ooh. Whoa, Nelly. Okay. Um. Sorry, folks. I know listening to people react to pictures you can't see isn't necessarily good radio, but fuck. Yeah. Okay, so don't go looking for Bob in a bottle. Um, but I was going to say, this is the thing that kind of cycles around in itself because apparently a clip from the end of part two of this actually plays in a TV in the background of Power Rangers Time Force. Oh my so, god. So, so, Master Rider goes from. Uh, having some property that Saban can't make use of playing in a TV in one of its scenes to becoming the thing Saban can't make use of playing in the background of a TV in one of another shows. It's just, yeah, it just, it goes on and on and on. 
TV's like a circle. Oh, it's the circle of life. No, TV's a hellhole. That's the circle. It's a death spiral. Yeah. But speaking of death spirals, so uh, we interrupt uh, this thrilling episode of Bob in a Bottle uh, because Dex hears something coming down outside. And it's actually a thing where, like, it's like, oh, no, something's falling to Earth. And it's like, they try to play it up so scary, and then it fades to commercial. And then we come back, and it's like, it's Furbus! Oh, it is and, a scary, hor- horrifying monstrosity. Great, cool. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think they ever explain how Furbus also made the trip. <laughs> they really don't. I mean, maybe they explained it later. I don't know. I've only watched a little bit of part two. I didn't even finish it. Like, but, like, just Furbus is here now. Don't know why, don't know how, but there he is. He's here. Uh, and and so Molly and Albie, instead of freaking out over the fact that there's this hideous alien gremlin in their home now, are like, oh no, we can't have an animal in here. Our dad's allergic. And then like from upstairs, you know, it's it's the it's the TV version of allergies where like <laughs> the thing a person is allergic to enters like a a hundred foot radius and the person who's allergic just comically starts sneezing. He's just like Achoo! Kids, did you bring an animal in the house? And they're like, no. Not necessarily. <coughs> but, like, yeah, it's just, it's Furbus is here now, and to to the delight of all? Question mark? I, uh, no. Just here, no, here he to, is. To the delight of none. Exactly zero. Maybe less. Yeah, and again, like, it's it's frustrating because, like, this bit where Dex is holding him, and they're, like, they're, like hugging and stuff, like, again... As a puppet, this is really good, and like I, maybe maybe it's just because like I I'm fresh off the heels watching that. Uh, have, have you watched any of like uh, our friend Greg's YouTube videos, Pop Arena? He, he did uh, he did this uh, special on um, Brad Williams, who was a puppeteer uh, on Pinwheel, and then later um, shoot, what was it called? Hocus Focus. These are like, he did this whole thing about how- never made over here. Say what? These are those sound like American shows that never made their way over here. I, I recommend definitely watching that YouTube series, uh, Popperin. He did an episode about that that kind of went into it went very heavily into the fact that there are some art forms that are really just not appreciated in general. And yeah. in that particular case, it was about a puppeteer. And like, so I think as a as sort of a linger, lingering effect of watching that, I'm like, I'm looking at this as like, damn, that's a really good puppet for no reason to no end, you know, like just, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad character. It's a, it's a bad design. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Um, what's also weird is, so we cut to this next scene and we see Furbus walking through a tiny little door in the house. Furbus just arrived. The parents don't know about him. I don't know how long they keep Furbus secret from the parents. I don't know if this is the thing that like keeps going for the whole series. I, Hope not, because that would be obnoxious, but it probably will. I don't know what this little door's doing here. I mean, it's a little door underneath the staircase. Like, it seems like a bit of a crawl space. I mean, oh, you know what? You're right. For some reason, I thought this was like a little door from a room to a room. <laughs> it was It was the way the shot was framed. I didn't realize it was under the staircase. I, 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 I thought straight up they just had like a door for toddlers built into the into the house, like a doggy door for their son or something. I just I wasn't oh sure what was God. happening. That has um, so many bad implications, Michael. I'm sorry. I got I got confused. Um, also, what's confusing is so here we get like Dex has apparently been 
I guess I guess Edenoyans don't sleep. Um, like so so Edenoy, one of the few things they do establish about Edenoy, other than the fact that it's orange, is in the sky they keep showing what is either another planet in like a binary system with a moon, or maybe Edenoy's moon has its own moon, one or the other. I don't yeah. know. But like so but I don't think we ever see nighttime there. I don't know. But like Dex doesn't sleep. He stays up the whole night watching television. And so we see him watching a clip of Samurai Pizza Cats uh, in which uh, I believe Guido Anchovy is the Samurai Pizza Cats character. Oh, my fucking God. That's actually his name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Guido Anchovy. Uh, he's the blue one. And he, he winks. And then there's like a sound effect. And like Dex's actor is watching it. And like this is this is kind of the first time we've seen any sort of joy or levity out of this actor because of the way they wrote Dex. He's like, he's jumping back and forth going boing, boing with the cartoon sound effects. Like, <laughs> like this is bad because like they, they have, they've told Dex to learn human culture from television and they showed him cartoons. So now he just thinks, Oh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to jump around and yell boing. Yeah, like, I that's, it's going to be so great when he starts going to high school. Yeah, I learned this lesson real fast as a child myself. Yeah. So, um, don't we cut that, to a news... Br- well, no, you, you, you missed a scene involving the monster beforehand. Oh, are we... Oh, what did, what did I miss? Uh, the monster straight up just <laughs> assimilating electricity from a power line. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it fucking zaps a power line, yeah. And this is where we see its face, and it's, again, it is really hideous and gross. It's a very gross it bug, is, man. Like, yeah, like, these these lights protrude out of its shoulders. Like, and also, it like, really it's is some H.R. Geiger shit. It's, well, yeah, it's got the double, like, f- mouth from the xenomorph and everything. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a bad time. It's a bad scene. Uh, so, we, so then we cut back to the house, and then we get the scene with uh, Dex and the boinging and the... And yeah, okay. I think I just saw the little door again, and I think that's what threw me off. Is it was right <laughs> next to a regular door. <laughs> yeah. So so it pans. You see the regular door, then you see the tiny door, and then you see kind of the stairs do that thing that they do in houses where they like turn halfway because they're at a, they want to be at a corner to save room, and so it looks like there's a pair of stairs totally unrelated to the little door behind the little door. That's what threw me off. Yeah. Um. But also, I'm just stupid. <laughs> Uh, so, so Dex starts making boinging noises, and then we cut to a news broadcast, and we see. Uh, oh, I, I almost forgot. We also see at some point, for whatever reason, after the monster continues its transformation, we actually cut back up to Count Dragon's ship, and he's like, "The little robot tells him, okay, the Destructosphere is ready," and he's like, "Good, we attack at dawn." And I'm just like, "What? Why are what? You, why are you waiting till dawn?" Yeah, why? No, seriously, why? Just why? I don't. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's we, we attack at dawn. And then we cut to news footage of again, I think this is from that movie because yeah, I guess I movie, guess this yeah. monster's just from the movie. This is some really actually fucking brutal footage of this thing utterly destroying this town. Like they they say it's like the business district, but this dude is like shooting lasers at people and shit's exploding and people are running away in slow motion. Like this is this is actually some really nasty shit. I mean, it's as nasty as Toku gets. Well, yeah, but I mean, like as far as as far as a Saban show, which is again is still what we're watching, it's real brutal. Mm, and then, I, like, I'll say the VR troopers' impalement is maybe still the most brutal. 
Oh, I forget. I forgot about the impalement. Who gets impaled? Uh, like in the second or first episode, like one of the main baddies are fighting. Like, dude just fucking impales him with a laser sword. Oh, right. Like, all yeah. The way okay. Through. I kind of forgot about that. Um, but so we get a complete mood swing from Dex because he, he like he goes from boing boing to serious face. Um, because he's like, that's that's one of Count Dragon's monsters. It's time for me to go into action. And Albie's just like. What what are we gonna do, Dex? What are you, what what are you gonna do? And he's it's like, no, I have to do this alone. It's time for me to turn into the masked rider, and it's time for us to see the American version of the Henshin. And um, hey, Julie, I'll... how you feeling about this Henshin? How you feeling it? The actual special effects are fine, actually, pretty good. Okay, well, I, I mean... was genuinely shocked. I was like, oh, that's a good transformation sequence. Yeah, I feel well, the vast majority of it is clearly just the original footage. It's actually not. Uh, it's not. No, RX doesn't really have that whole sequence. That's very weirdly enough an homage to Black's henshin sequence. Huh. Why is the film quality so low then? I don't. It know. has. To, it has to be from something on Toei's end. I imagine. I have to imagine. They might have been like, they might have extended the footage, but from what I looked at, I couldn't find really footage of RX transforming like that. Huh. That's wild. Uh, but in any case, so we see, we finally see Master Rider in costume, and there's something I noticed basically immediately. Uh, this guy has what was until the last couple of his movies. The movie Batman problem. Oh, yep. It doesn't look like he can turn his head. Probably can't. Yeah, just that's that's bad. And I mean, I mean, like Julie, you know a lot better than me, and I'm sure plenty of people listening to this also know. Like cumbersome and hard to work in costumes is kind of like it's a toku thing. Like that's just kind of how things work. You can't move, you can't see, but you still got to do all these six stunts because like that's. It's Toku, baby. But, like, yeah, I'd imagine this guy just can't turn his head. And it's really awkward seeing this guy, like, try and, like, emote. In a, it, like, because he's not doing any, like, crazy, like, common writer poses or anything, he's just sort of standing with his arms in his sides because he's just talking to this kid about how, like, listen, I got to go fight this alone. You stay here. Keep an eye on Furbus. You just, you know, just stay calm, y'all. Stay, stay frosty. And again, it's like, it's, it feels weird. He's just kind of bobbing up and down. I'm just going to say this. That's a lot of Kamen Rider suits to some degree. And also, here's a fun little thing for you and the folks at home to do. I want you to take your two index fingers on both hands and hold them out in front of you. And now place them together about, I want to say, like a strings width apart. Now bring that up to one of your eyes and close the other eye. Like, right up to the eye. That's the average vision cone of a toku suit actor in the stunt suit. Fuck me. A lot of toku actors, like suit actors, it's basic stage fighting. You know your movements already. So it's muscle memory and rote practice. You don't see shit. Yeah, you're you're effectively acting blind, which is yeah. it's nuts. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, famously, uh, probably more infamously, uh, Comrade Akiva from like two thousand eight, two thousand nine ish. Um, the suit actor claimed he nearly fucking died in some scenes. 
I believe it. Uh, fun fact as well. Black, his original Henshin uh, sequence, there's a really cool thing like, oh man, the smoke, uh, the suit is smoking after the Henshin. They did that by literally pouring acid on the suit while the dude was still in it. What the fuck? Toei doesn't give a fuck, my man. Toei does not give any fucks. God, man. I mean, we rag on Saban from time to time, but like, Toei is not that great either hey. as far as like, yeah. Hey, they got, they do it with consent. They just, it's the case of Toei being like a bunch of stunt actors who are willing to do fucking batshit stuff. Uh, another fun thing I always remember, one Comrider series had one of the writers just ride a motorcycle up the stairs to a train station in in the city. And it's like, you can't do that now. Like, in broad yeah. daylight. You just can't do that. I mean, yeah. And Toei Spider-Man had a dude literally just on top of a car while it was speeding down a road. Okay, yeah. Yeah, All right. <laughs> give a shit, yeah, man. <laughs> Toei doesn't care. Well, at least uh, but... show a Toei. Hey, say Toei's <laughs> at least. They kind of have more laws to answer to. Yeah, I will say, um, it, you could, they, they've at least gotten better about giving mobility in recent years because, like, m- again, my main exposure is like is Power Rangers, uh, and Ghost and Juoger, and now uh, Lupin Ranger versus Pot Ranger, and so yeah. I'm actually that's why I was so stunned by this is I'm a lot more used to like people in the suits having a bit more freedom of movement. Oh yeah. And just, yeah, it was just, like, man, this dude can't turn his head. No. He looks like the Burton Batman trying to emote, except, like, with Burton Batman, you could at least see his eyes and chin. But, like, th- this dude is just, it's just a bobblehead. Yeah, it's one of those things but, of, hey, <laughs> show era writers can't really move their head as much, especially RX. Um, Heisei writers, fun fact, don't look at the feet. The, the feet always ruin the suit. Oh, uh, fa- famously drives actors. All the drive suits, uh, they're just wearing Crocs. Yeah, we we actually run into that a lot, even with Power Rangers. Of just like we see the bottoms of Goldar's feet, and it's just tennis shoes. Yep. Um, but anyway, so this last thing that happens is like he's like, okay, I've I've got to go fight this monster, and he teleports away, and we see that Patsy has seen this all go down. She's like, oh my god, a giant bug monster. I, well, I don't think she saw Dex, but she saw that the neighbors have an alien bug monster in their yard. And she's like, I gotta go tell Herbie. So she's, that's that's effectively gonna be her quest, I guess, is gonna define the Masked Rider. Very very reminiscent of Bulk and Skull in Season 2 of Power Rangers. She's gonna figure out what the deal is with this giant bug monster. Yeah. Um, and You know what? I feel like I feel like Master Rider makes a way bigger deal about Common Rider being a bug than Common Rider ever has. Yeah, like the, fun fact: Common Rider being a bug is literally because oh, Chaka, the Nazi evil organization that in first Common Rider series ever were just kidnapping people and giving them animal powers, and they wanted to give this dude a grasshopper power. That's yeah, it, it just <laughs> yeah. I like I watched all of Ghost, and at no point was anyone like. Oh, I'm a grasshopper man. Like, no, it just it never happened. But like every three seconds, people in the show are like, "Wow, it's a giant fucking bug." And I mean, in all honesty, like the thing with the common writer black suit, it's like, I mean, yeah, he looks like a bug. If someone tells you that's what they're going for, <laughs> but not not really like just straight up. Like, if I look at it, it's like, man, that's. I don't know if it necessarily immediately evokes a grasshopper. Like, if you just show me that. I mean, you, but, I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, um, Zach from TWA, 
he all, he mentions he can't get into most comrades because he just sees bug eyes. Oh wow! Okay, some people um, just see bug. I mean, hey, it's different strokes, I guess. Um, but so yeah, he teleports away, and that's the last thing that happens. Like we mentioned earlier, when Saban was doing multi-parters in this era, they didn't make any attempt to have like some sort of closure or cliffhanger at the end of an episode. It's just we got to the time we needed. So this is where to be continued happens. Like the freeze frame is just on kind of a not particularly flattering reaction shot of the daughter holding Furbus. It's like, I mean, that's it. And like in this first episode, in spite of the fact that he has the powers already before the show begins, we have seen him be mass rider for all of maybe about five seconds. Yeah. And, and I get it. Like this is kind of a convoluted concept to like, to throw at kids in your premiere episode. And maybe, cause I know this is what they did with, uh, with Beetleborgs. And I think this might've also happened with VR troopers, but at least with this show, maybe when the show premiered, both parts one and two played together. I can imagine that being the case. Yeah. L- yeah. Like I could, I could believe that happening, but at least as far as this goes, this is a weird stopping point. Um, but yeah, it's just, he, he henshins, and, and actually, so so we probably should mention the thing he actually says is he says ectophase activate. I don't know if we're ever explicitly like told what ectophase is supposed to mean. I don't know. But like, so that's his catchphrase. Um, but yeah, he, he, he henshins, he morphs, whatever you want to call it, turns into the masked rider and he goes away. And then as it ends, what happens is, and apparently, uh, like near as I can tell, this is something that happens during the end credits of every episode of Masked Rider is a voiceover comes up and asks a series of questions and yeah. And I'm, I'm also going to ask that whoever's editing this, just kind of play this bit. Um, we will probably just make a habit of just playing the credits questions, but like, yeah, it's basically just like, you know, will it's, it's like the end of an episode of Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know, (laughs) it's like, will (laughs) Furbus ever stop being a dipshit? Find out next time on mass rider. I mean, it's also a thing they do a lot of Digimon as well. Oh God. Yeah, Sure. I guess it's just a Saban thing. Got, you've got to fill for time. You have it's it's like when we started getting comedy skits and outtakes during the end credits of Power Rangers. Like at some point, I guess Saban decided that like you can't just show end credits anymore. You have to keep the kids engaged so they watch the next show. I mean, because because the, this is Fox in the '90s, so the next show is probably also produced by Saban. No, I mean that's so, also that's that's a '90s thing as well. Like that's every Jackie Chan movie. That's yeah. Toy Story. That's that's actually something I I that's remember happening. Up. Yeah, but yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, I remember this happening a lot uh, on Saturday mornings on American TV in the nineties. Is I remember there being no commercial breaks between shows. One just flowed into the other, and then you'd you'd have like multiple commer- like more commercial breaks during the show than you would with like other television. Uh, because they wanted kids to just be like, well, I'm already sitting here and this next show started. May as well watch whatever it is. Huh. Uh, I, I seem to, it, again, my memory's fuzzy and again, I'm an idiot, but I seem to remember that being how things kind of worked uh, with kids TV, at least on the weekend when kids, you know, clearly just had a whole morning to kill. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't give, they didn't want to put a commercial between a show and another show because that would give kids a chance to decide they're not going to watch the next thing. So I'm trying to you just, you just go the, straight from one to the next. I'm and I think, I think this plays though. into that strategy. Oh. Say what? I was trying to call if that was actually the case here or not. 
I don't know, because, like, a lot of the... A lot of the times were that... Because uh, Fox Kids here was, like, a cable channel. So you normally just didn't get ads on it anyway. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a weird thing to think about, because here Fox is just one of the normal affiliates. Um, like, one of the basic one of the basic standard broadcast television things. Like, even if you don't have cable or satellite and you just got, like, an antenna, although these days you need, like, a special antenna because they changed all that shit, long story. Um, but, like, yeah, you, they're just on the regular antenna TV that is supposed to be freely available to everybody. Um, but, yeah, yeah just... Yeah. That's that's that is episode one of Mast Rider Escape from Edenoid Part One. Julie, what do you think of Mast Rider so far? I mean, I've got a I've got a feeling I know roughly how this is going to go, but whatever you got, get it out. The show's bad. The show's really bad. Like, okay, I'll say this. It's very clear that they actually tried to find good actors uh, for the Earthlings. They did not care about the Edenoi people. They are bad actors, including Dex, funnily enough. The Stewards yeah. actually found pretty possible. Like, they were fine. Yeah, I will say, possibly, I, I feel like some of it might be chalked up to the, to the, to the choice to have the Edenoians talk like that. Like, to, to, yeah. to, like, the decision to have them talk all proper and, like, to not emote much. And, like, I know that's probably, it's half to make them seem regal and half to make them seem alien. But, like, I feel like that, dis- and, and again, who's to say how good of an actor this the guy playing Dex really is? I mean, he did all right in that one uh, commercial for the board game Simon that we found. Uh, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, we had a bit, we had a big old freak out about it over on the main show. I'll show it to you, like, when we're done here, I well, guess. It, it's um, more the case of, like, this, this is the weird thing I've noticed. You can do regal and talking very properly and still emote in acting, but for some reason Americans don't do that. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's a weird thing. I think like, it's I, because it's, I I think part of it might be a cultural thing that just the idea of royalty is so weird to us. Well, it's not even royalty. It's like this idea of any, there being like a higher up order. Like this, the acting on Inoy very much felt like prequel Star Wars. Oh fuck! You're right. You're right. It's fuck. Just wooden. I mean, yeah, and I mean, like, like we said, Edenoi is basically just Tatooine. It's Tatooine with a ping off of like fucking spin on it. It's yeah. Oh, I'm looking like it was a slog getting through there. It was easier once we got on Earth, but like, this show's bad. Yeah. So what's the question? You can teleport as Moss Rider. Yeah. Why does he? Need, why does he need a bike or a car? That's a very good question. I mean, yeah, yeah. Why? Like, I don't. I don't know. But why is? Why can? Yeah. Why do they even make it so he can teleport? Like, well, honestly, because the end of that scene would have been just being, "I need to go," and just running off awkwardly in that suit. Yeah, I, I guess, but like. Mm. But that's the thing is he's he needs to be able to move in that suit anyway, otherwise the fights well the fights are probably gonna be bad. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Here's here's my idea of this is my one idea that would have made this show be actually fun for me to watch. You get rid of Furbus. Okay. Instead of Furbus, it's the motorcycle that's his best friend. Yeah. You know what? And he yeah. brought the motorcycle with him to Earth. 
Yeah. Honest, honestly, yeah. You know, yeah, you're right. You're right on the money. <laughs> just yeah, just it's also, bas- yeah, just the motorcycle's basically just kit from Knight Rider. Why not? So wouldn't it be really funny if the motorcycle is just trying to like live in the house. Imagine yeah. the motorcycle coming out from underneath those tiny doors. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, especially like, and listen, if you're determined to not have it speak intelligibly, like just to have it make room noises. And just have it so that, like, Dex still understands what it's saying. That'd be like, really good, actually. Yeah, that, w- that would be- fuck. We, we should have made Master Rider. <laughs> yeah. I'll also say uh, this. But so- yeah, go ahead. I find this show the most of a slog to watch because it's nowhere near as bad as VR Troopers in terms of production. But VR Troopers is such a wild trip that I could not look away from it. It also actually has a fun, decent theme song. Yeah, VR Troopers theme song is uh, like, I, it's gotten some hate on this podcast. I will stand for it. Like, it is, it's real good. And this is the problem. This show's just boring, which is worse than bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, ba- I'm basically the thing is like, if I, like I, I've already said I'm committed to doing this for this podcast because like. Let's face it, this is a podcast where I watch garbage anyway. Um but yeah, like I if if I wasn't like if I wasn't doing it for for this, like I probably would have been curious enough just to see how part 2 went. Oh yeah, definitely. But I I probably stop after that and it's just it's not it's not a great show. And I mean, folks, I, I listen anybody listen to this, if you're really curious, it's on YouTube. It's not hard to find. <laughs> I literally just searched Mass Rider episode one, and there it was. Like the it's, it's not. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to go search. You don't have to hack into the code to find it. It's just there. God bless you, Explosive Phoenix. Yeah, no one's gonna try and take it down because, like, fuck it. Saban doesn't care anymore. Toei doesn't seem to care. Like, I mean, why would they? It's fucking Mass Rider. Leave it be. <laughs> Like so, uh, just if you're if you're really curious, give it a watch. And yeah, it's just it's not it's not a good show. I we're gonna get through the rest of it. We're gonna do it. Uh, I don't know how much Julie's gonna be willing to be here for it. Probably not a lot. But like, yeah, this is this show is rough. It's I will say this: it has been fun to talk about with you. No, same, definitely. But also, uh, yeah, good God, man, fucking Godspeed. You need it. Yeah. Yep. I wish. Yeah. Uh, onto onto the breach. <laughs> but um, we do actually have some questions. Oh, okay. uh, if you will indulge me. Yeah. All right. So Mason asks, "What do you think was the most interesting concept for a common writer series that ultimately ended up being wasted on a bad series?" So I feel like a lot of these more like all-purpose common writer questions are directed at you specifically. Um, I think Wizard is Wizard literally the first one that comes to mind because Wizard was such a cool idea of this dude is magical; he can control all four elements, but each element also represents a musical and dance style. And also because he wears rings, he can't punch, so he like practices capoeira as his martial arts. And then it's oh, just a very it's nice. And also, it's it's maybe one of the best looking suits ever in a Rider series, and it's maybe the most boring of the Rider shows. 
Yeah, and I remember you talking to me about how, like, whenever he did stuff, like, the magic belt says please, because it's the magic word. It's really good. Yeah. That's fucking great. It's so fucking good. Oh, yeah, no, that... I'm trying to think other concepts that were wasted. I mean, Decade was a cool idea. I know it's one of Decade is one of those weird shows where it is so divisive of like whether you like it, what, no, whether you love it or really just hate it. And I've not really seen much of it, but from what I've seen, like, yeah, yeah, they could have done more with the idea of traveling into alternate versions of the Rider worlds in each episode. But yeah, I, I'll say. Sentai, in my opinion, has wasted more themes than Kamen Rider has. Uh, yeah, I'm willing to buy that. Rider has at least delivered on a lot of cool theme ideas. Yeah, I, I mean, I have minimal knowledge of both, but yeah, I'm willing to buy that based on based on some of the Sentai stuff I've seen. Like, it's the case of like, even if if it's a series you don't like as much. For example, some people don't like Kamen Rider Drive, but. He's a car comrade. His final form is his car becomes his suit. That's real fucking sweet. Yeah. That's, you can't beat that. All right. Uh, also from Mason, follow up question. Uh, have you been watching Common Rider build? And if so, what are your thoughts so far? I really like it. It's really, really good. I was shocked at how good it is. Um, it's yeah, the, the, the buzz for for build has been like really really positive from what i've been seeing because it's a healthy balance of really funny genuinely some of the funniest bits in riot a series that i've seen so far um for example there's like build gets his powers from these bottles which are converted from like his defeated foes from the defeated monster of the week at first and it's converted mysteriously by this girl who's constantly tired and monotone, and there's just one moment where she tells him, hey, keep it down, I'm trying to sleep. If you don't, I'll cut you. She goes to sleep, and they start arguing, and they both just stop and turn around, and she's literally just standing there holding a knife. <laughs> it's oh, like, jeez. It's like, okay. And then the best thing is, they're like, wait, this cafe we're hiding in sucks. The owner doesn't know how to make coffee. How do we, how do we have the money and it's a few this very bored, tired, monotone girl makes money for them because she's literally an internet webcam streaming idol. Jeez. Okay. But then sure. you then have like, oh, Bill has actually delved more into the back into the classic show idea of, oh, uh Dude was captured, experiment experimented on by bad guys, and now he is like using the bad guys' powers against them, essentially. Okay. It, it's a really fun and cool series and has some of the best suit combos I've ever seen so far. Well, alright. I'll say that Build gets really raw in a couple of episodes. Like, uncomfortably raw in a good way. Like, oh, yeah, maybe you should consider the consequences of this thing that's happening. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, uh, this is from Thawne. Had this show become successful and continued on like Power Rangers had, what do you think Master Rider would be like today? That's really... It'd be weird because, like, there's no 90s material for it to go off of. Yeah, would they would they have had to work backwards? Like, would they, uh, would they would... have tried to make Kamen Rider oh. Black into Season 2 of Master Rider? 
I don't think? know if you can. Because, like, the whole deal with Rx as well is that Rx actually gets special forms later on. He gets two new forms. Black doesn't have anything, because the original Showa writers just don't have other extra, like, power-up forms. Hmm. So that'd be really weird. And you cannot do ZO or J or Shin, because even, aside from the horror elements, those are movies. Yeah, there's only so much material. The thing is, I'm at least basing this on the fact that, like, at least within the microcosm of Power Ranger Season 3, they did those Zords for that season out of order. Like, they used the robots that the, the Sentai team got second first, and vice versa. Yeah, so I noticed may- that. Maybe maybe they could have gone back to Comrade Black and pretended it was an upgrade, even if it wasn't in the original. Yeah, I don't know. the problem is they just don't have footage. They could have done it all by themselves, but I doubt they would have in the 90s. Well, I, the thing is, they've so, so Power Rangers Season 3 has actually been a lot of original footage, like a lot, a lot. Okay. Um, so... I think had Master Rider been as successful as Power Rangers was, I think they probably would have just kept doing original footage. Now I don't know I don't know if they could have kept that going long enough to get uh until Toei started doing Common Rider again. Well, cause um, or that's for heck, maybe just the, the maybe just the potential for more money from Saban would have gotten them to bring Common Rider back sooner. I don't know. Well that's from ninety five to two thousand. That's a long time. Yeah. And Kuga is a very different show as well. Hmm. Kuga has a serial killer subplot. Oh. Episode. Uh, okay. Uh, this let's, <laughs> so let's 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 go on full on thought experiment and and just say that somehow miraculously Mass Rider kept going to today. Which which of the recent seasons do you think it uses and how does that go? Because like X-Aid. I know you've watched Ghost and you're X-Aid. watching Build. I don't know if you've kept up with X Aid. X- no, I watched all of X8. It would it would use X8. Okay. There, there's enough '90s nostalgia and video game stuff in that for people to latch onto. Yeah, I should probably watch X8. X8's really good. Yeah, it's it's. Re- I definitely at least want to see like the fucking crossover movie because the idea that like hmm we <laughs> we have we have a ghost season followed up by a video game season. So let's just, we're just going to have a crossover movie where they fight actually Pac-Man. Like, just actually, literally Pac-Man. Like, like that is, that's the, that is the kind of, like, lightning in a bottle, like, brilliant idea that someone just has pop into their head in a meeting at, like, two in the afternoon, and that guy has just secured himself a promotion. Dude. Because holy shit. Dude, the Exade standalone movie at the end of the series, he gets a final upgrade, which is literally PlayStation VR. Oh my god. At one point, he literally draws, like, kid-like rockets with, like, you know, a light one, and then sends them flying, like, actual rockets at the enemy. That's, that's real good. He that's ha- real dumb and real good. Imagine Exaid, he literally is wearing, like, a PSVR, like, goggle set. They were promoting PSVR oh. during the promotion of the film. Man, those, those would be really hard to incorporate into Masked Rider, I would assume, though. Um, but, you know, hey, sure, whatevs, that, that's cool, that's fucking cool. Um, okay, uh, you ready for two more questions? Yeah. Alright, both are from Jonathan. First, which would be worse, a common rider on a razor scooter or a common rider on a pair of rollerblades, replacing the motorcycle? Razor scooter, rollerblades you can do something cool with. 
Yeah. I mean, the Razor Scooter... The thing with the scooter still gives you the option of not being on it from time to time, but, like, also it's a sci-fi robo-suit or whatever, so, like, you could just have the blades retract. Exactly. Whenever you don't want to have rollerblades. So, yeah, rollerblades probably cooler. Um... And then the follow-up question, what is the theme of the villain for that season, and is it stairs? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, let's try and hash this out. What, what, would, what would theme would we give the rollerblade common Rider? Okay. Well, he's rollerblading, so I'm going to say he's the safety common Rider. Okay. I'm also going to say his secondary rider rides a skateboard and doesn't wear elbow pads or a helmet. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's dark and edgy and he doesn't play by the rules. Yeah. yeah. I'll also say uh, both of them, they make weapons of both styles because then they can use them to grind on them. Nice, nice. Uh, do you think the safety common Rider and uh, fuck, just call it common Rider safety. <laughs> um, and I, I bet he like he has he has special moves that involve like traffic cones and stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like uh, maybe he's got he's, he's got like caution tape that he uses like a whip. You <laughs> would plant a. a- you would plan a stop sign to stop enemies. I mean, that's it's kind of it's kind of what the Pot Rangers do in Lupin Ranger vs. Pot Ranger. I mean, they basically they they yell at the mooks to to freeze and then get in line. I mean, that's with also, these megaphones they got. <laughs> that's also what um, Comrade Chase does in Drive. He has a axe that has a green and red pedestrian light on it, and you can get people to stop. That's real good. Actually, uh, you know, kind of a tangent. Uh, have have you watched any of Lupin Ranger vs. Pot Ranger yet? I actually watched the first episode yesterday. It's really good. It is. Oh, it's you. You need to see the second one though because it, like, uh, fucking. I guess spoiler warnings for this whole other unrelated Toku, but like the 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 Pot Rangers, you know, morph at the very end of episode one. Season two kicks right off with the three way fight between the two teams of Rangers and the monster and the Mooks. Like just immediately, okay, like good. there's a re- there's a real quick, like super quick, like previously on da 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 da, and then we just go. Just fight scene right out of the gate, and I'm it's also, it's really good. I'm so happy as well. Toei is like actually experimenting with fight scenes and camera angles and like ways to shoot them. Oh, d- this so Lupin Ranger versus Pot Ranger does so much. Like there is a lot of really creative cinematography, which feels like a weird thing to say about a, a Toku show, especially having dealt with Power Rangers so much. Like, just it, it's really great. Like, there's this. There's this fucking incredible shot where uh, the 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 red Lupin Ranger points his gun like at the camera. It's a close up shot of the gun barrel. It fires in slow motion, and you like you follow the bullet coming toward the viewer, and you like you slowly zoom out and zoom out and zoom out and zoom out in slow motion. And then as it gets it, and then it hits normal motion, and you see the bullet hit the monster in the ass. So it's this incredibly like just just this dramatic gromo, dramatic like slow mo bullet time shot that ends in a comedic beat, and I love it. There's also like it's I'm so happy GoPros exist to enhance Toku now. Oh yeah, I was I was wondering because there was this one shot where like the Lupin Rangers like jump off of like a roof. And it, it gets like this this shot where like it zooms around them, and I was like, "How the hell does that happen?" You're right. It's just, yeah, that's just like a drone or something, and some GoPros. Th- there like, was uh, from GoBusters, which is actually now getting a Saban adaptation. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, that's that's bonkers. Uh, they have an an opening change halfway through the show, which was really weird. But the cool thing about that was there is a quick montage between the Rangers unmorphed and. <laughs> The best thing is, they've attached GoPros on their weapons, but facing them. 
So you get this cool shot of the Yellow Ranger surrounded by Mook spinning her gun around, but the camera's facing her. Oh, that's good. So it's really real cool. Good. Like, yeah, but um, I'm trying to think, what will the staircase enemy be like? Oh, actually? <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have to theme it the staircases. Like, just what what's our what's our nemesis for our safety, Common Rider? Like, I guess, like, prohibited areas. Like, honestly, hmm. just the police, <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, okay. Oh, no, Neighborhood Watch. Oh. Yeah. Expanded out so it's like Global Watch or something, so they yeah. can be like a major threat. Yeah. The main general has yeah, okay. like a, the main general has an actual like timepiece on him. Yep. Yep. And he's wearing he's wearing the trench coat and like he's always framed in shadow. Yep. Yeah. Alright, cool. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I, because of this network, I've given birth like eight different common writer ideas. I mean, I feel like that's partially just because you're you. That's true. You, I mean, you, you give me anything, I can come up with a common writer idea for it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think it's about time to wrap this up. Julie, do you have any final thoughts before we end this on Mast Rider, on Common Rider, on the weather, whatever? Probably should have been the motorcycle. That's. That's literally it. Like, I cracked the code. Yeah. <laughs> fucking fucking nailed it. Uh, Alright, so how can... Let's get to plugs. Julie, how can folks find you on the internet and such? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at GatsbyLow. Uh, you can also find me on other network shows, such as Transmission Radio, uh, Let Me Tell You About Homestuck Earthsea Edition, which is now back to updating, and also the Digital Moncast, which we are going to record soon we're just sorting some stuff out schedule wise yeah i mean hey shit happens yeah <laughs> i mean look at how long it took to get you back on the twa i mean just fuck it um but yeah awesome anything else uh that's it for now really okie dokie uh well you can find me on twitter at mike loves rabbit you can hear me on the main show of this teenagers with attitude you can hear me on home for infinite losers uh where me my girlfriend emily and our buddy luke uh, we're watching Dragon Ball. I've never seen Dragon Ball up until this point. I have so far watched the first 14 episodes of Dragon Ball and the first Dragon Ball movie, Curse of the Blood Rubies. I'm not a fan so far. Luke should have started with Zed. Well, here's the thing. I'm the one that insisted it starting at the beginning. Oh, no. Because I was a fool. Oh, my. So. Oh, I'll also quickly but, say, um, you can also find me along with Molly Luke, Emily, and Ashley, as well as you, on our upcoming uh, what's it called? Um, I don't, I don't think we've given it a name yet. Well, well I mean, no, we, we haven't, we haven't announced the name. Yeah, yeah. that's right. We it's uh, it's a tabletop, show. it's a tabletop game that we are streaming. We've we've done a previous tabletop game, most of which is out there on our YouTube page. We lost bits and pieces of it because Twitch kind of sucks. Um. And also just some of it, like, we weren't streaming it when we started, but, like, it was it was a thing that was mostly just for us, but then people wanted to see it. Um, and kind of having learned lessons from that, like, for, uh, from Pizza Party, uh, we're like, okay, we're going to make more of an effort to properly, like, uh, preserve this, for one. Um, but, like, it's still, like, if you want to listen to some friends play a tabletop game and have a grand old time, like, that's basically what's, uh, what's going to be happening. It's not out yet. Uh, at and, least as of this recording. And the name has uh, been decided. It's now called Silver Pines. Yeah. I mean, I was I was hesitant because Luke has not announced the name. Um, he's not, yeah, he's, I, he's I mean, said it on basically the, like, Discord, so. Okay. All right, yeah. So Silver Pines. 
Uh, it's going to be a thing. We're going to be playing. Uh, the basic gist of it is uh, we're using a tabletop system called Monsters and Other Childish Things. Uh, we're completely foregoing the the flavor and like the 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 setting that is set up for that game, and we're adapting it into our own. Luke really loves the Persona games and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and that kind of tells you everything about how this game's going to go down. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I think that's pretty much it as plugs for the two of us specifically. If you want to get a hold of Teenagers with Attitude, and you want to send us some feedback or some questions or anything like that, at Teens with Toot on Twitter, Teens with Toot at gmail.com is the email address. The Facebook group is Teenagers with Attitude. Um, if you do have anything that specifically uh, pertains to writers with masks, please say so. And uh, Zach, who runs all that stuff, will pass whatever it is along to me. And that should be it. I think I think that's going to do it for us. We did it. We did it. We wa- we we watched and discussed the first episode of Masked Rider. We this took forever. We've been planning it for God knows how long. I think we need um, almost fucking three hours of out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Whew. All right, Christ. so <laughs> for uh, Riders with Masks, I've been Mike, and I've been Julie, and Ectophase Activate. God damn it! Will Edenoi be destroyed? Will Patsy and Herbie ever get it right? Will Dex fit in on Earth? Will Furbus need a flea collar? Will Destructosphere succeed in carrying out Count Dragon's diabolical plot? Or will Masked Rider save the day? All this and more on the next exciting adventure of Masked Rider. Masked Rider.